What's going on, everybody? I'm not going to lie. That was shocking to see the screen come on because I was in my own headspace there. But you know what? We made it. It is another episode of Thirsty Thursday. Drinks up, gentlemen. I hope everybody's doing good. Uh, interestingly, I've not had an adult beverage since the GIE, um, but that's okay. And I'm actually probably don't have time for a drink tonight either because I got to be up early. And, you know, we're going to be going hard in the paint till pretty late tonight. So uh, cheers to everybody. Of course. Cheers. Along with me, cheers. I've got my two special sidearms right here. Uh, not the Cal Rittenhouse kind. We've got the real deal <laughs> men themselves. God, that's the second time I've dropped that. Is it? I, I know it's my bad. A little controversial. Yeah. It's a little. Is that yeah, is that Chappelle okay. controversial or is that is that just? I'm not allowed to talk about any of this. To be honest, we've got Ray and Ryan, gentlemen. How the hell are y'all doing tonight? Well, hey, it's a great evening. It's a great day too. You know why, Matt? Today we're, we're celebrating we're my favorite team, right? The American Armed Forces and all the ha! teammates, right? The only, the only two-time back-to-back World War champs, United States Armed Forces. Happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans and friends. My brother, um, who's in the Army, my uh, our our distinguished friend, Mister Robert Palmer, who's also in the United States Army, and our guest tonight, who our informed guest us of that honor. He, Yes, that he was all he also served, right? He served this country. So, gentlemen, ladies, anybody who's a veteran that's watching or listening or uh, tolerating this next to their spouse who might be, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Let freedom ring, Ray. Give us a little hot sauce. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, this morning, I actually. Uh, Kind of cured my uh, Waffle House withdrawal. Oh, you made some biscuits, <laughs> did you? Well, uh, actually, I did an epic uh, biscuits and gravy. Epic. That sounds actually phenomenal. I I have not. I have been on carb restriction still since uh, you were here, and I'm not gonna lie. I miss. I miss eating whatever I wanted to eat, like real bad. <laughs> well, uh, you know what, Matt? I eat uh, whatever the hell I want to eat uh, any day of the any day of the week, uh, vacation or no vacation. I blame it on my thyroid. is is going to be my new excuse. I'm gonna be like, yeah, my my T three T four levels are off. Gentlemen, we have an extra special guest tonight. We have the one, the only, listen, we've got the OG Fergie. We've got the Fergie before Fergie <laughs> was in here. And you're damn right. So, so, what is it? Uh, scandalous. Um, isn't that what she says in her song? So scandalous. Uh, you're, yeah. You're really plugged into the top 40 Delicious. music of the day there, Matthew. I can't, I can't remember either. I was, that was like circa 2005. That was 16 years ago and I'm just not there mentally anymore. I had to replace my thought process with bad words because what is it they say that people use significant amounts of bad words, have small brains or low IQs or something. Well, I'm the poster mm -hmm. boy because, um, 
what whatever whatever intellect I had dissolved somewhere between 2005 and 2008. That is for sure. Thanks, University of Tennessee. Gentlemen, we have Steve Ferguson. Sir, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, guys. As I mentioned earlier, it's truly an honor to uh, to be in the midst of you fine gentlemen on oh. such an awesome Veterans Day. Man, what a day to be on, man. It is awesome. Team America, back to back. Man, you got me pumped over here. That's what I'm talking <laughs> I'm about. Telling you, it, hey, Who's next? Awesome. Yeah, who, yeah. who wants it? Who's next? You hear that, Xi Jinping? Huh? You hear that? <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> In the Kyle Rittenhouse joke was too soon, right? Are we? <laughs> no, I'm are too far ahead. You're Taiwan too soon. Yet? I'm Where too far ahead. That? Yeah, I'm, I'm fast forwarding in history. Anyhow, all right. So, so listen. Um, you know, we became of your your YouTube channel and viewed some content, and we thought, you know what, we gotta have this guy on just to talk to him and level with him and see what's going on, what his challenges are. North Carolina is not a very oh. friendly place. Uh, to grow tall fescue as you i think have learned right and yeah so you know not to not necessarily um you know saying that you're doing a bad job but just you know hey wanted to learn more about you hear about your journey Mm -hmm. how you got into it and take it from there so tell us from uh your your uh humble beginnings as a uh servant to this country till you're sitting here Mm -hmm. right now how did you get here right now how did your long journey take you here yeah, well, again, again, appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity to tell my hopefully short story here. But <laughs> wow, um, as I was telling Matt earlier, you know, IT, being in the IT type field, I get tired of being behind monitors um, from the yeah. military. You know, I was looking for a civilian job. What am I going to do after the military? And uh, after praying, saying, God, where do you want me to be? He placed me in a city municipality where I'm stuck kind of behind a screen all the time. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, growing up, my dad, he he, he managed a, a local company here, Wake County, uh, North Carolina. Um, and, and so we had a decent amount of property, I believe, in the, the where we grew up. We had about six acres. He kept about four acres of that. He would just throw out the, the Kentucky 31. He'd mow it. So, of course, I was the, uh, the laborer to dad. Um, I was still too young. You know, I didn't want to handle the weed eater. It, it jacked my hands up and I was a wimp about it. So I would do the cutting, you know, if I could get the, uh, the whatever Sears lawnmower he bought, you know, we would cut, you know, all of that. So that was my whole Saturday. And then later on in life, uh, my dad became a pastor. Um, so guess what? I got to go and cut the grass for the church parking lot area uh-huh. as well. So that was my whole weekend. And so, you know, I ran away to the military for 12 years, came back. Um, but yeah, was stuck, you know, in my daily job working for the city. Um, I'm stuck behind these monitors all the time. And out, you know, three years or so ago, walked out, you know, here at my own home and was like, you know what? I wonder if I could, um, if I could grow a decent looking lawn. Because I, I, you know, you see them walk driving down the street. You see these nice looking homes and grass. And I've always been a lover of grass. Even when I was overseas in Iraq, we had one unit. I don't know where they were from, but they had a patch of beautiful. I guess now it had to have been warm season grass because it was in a rack like North Baghdad. <laughs> so it had to be warm season. I, I take it. I don't know. But it was just beautiful green grass in a rack. And it was somebody was watering it every day. And I was like, dude, that is awesome. And, you know, because in a rack, it's so dry and desolate and just dusty. Um, seeing that on, on post was awesome. It, it was like, dude, that is awesome. So I never forgot that. And then, you know, coming back and working behind a monitor all the time, doing IT type work, not in IT, we made that point earlier, 
Um, I, I like being outside now. I, I like getting away from the blue screen and said, I wonder if I can do this. And uh, so I had the idea of like, OK, well, I should probably document it. Where do I start? I don't know. So I started by, you know, just going online. And I am a product of YouTube in this day and age we live where everything is, you know, on YouTube and you can learn everything and begin to find out, OK, I need to measure my lawn. <laughs> Literally the day I was like, OK, I need to find out how much square footage I have. I walked outside to do exactly that. And no joke. God is my witness. True Green pulls up in my driveway to sell me their product. And the guy walks off my lawn and does it for me. And I'm like, OK, Lord, I hear you. So, so that was pretty cool that I didn't even have to do it myself. He did it for me. Um, and, and, <laughs> and it was and it was literally at that moment that I had to make a decision because he, you know, me and my wife's out there and he's pitching it just the greatest he can. And I'm literally coming outside to say, do I want to do this or now do I want to have this guy do it? And I said, no, if I'm going to have a nice looking yard, I want to do it myself and be able to say that I did it and be proud of it and say I created this, you know, and, and did my best to make it look awesome. And when people come by and say, dude, that yard looks awesome. I don't have to say, yeah, I pay True Green to do it, man. 300 bucks or whatever, you know, I don't like that. Uh, some guy, what I think I said in one of my early first videos was I don't want some guy with his magical liquids pulling up, spraying it. And it's like, hey, whatever that is, fill me up, brother. And. You know, it's like whatever makes it look good. I wanted to kind of learn and do it myself. And uh, so I told him, no, I told him I'm good. I think I'm going to do it myself. And my yard was filled with Poa Annua. I mean, it was filled with Poa Annua. And he's like, well, you got this thing called Poa Annua and it's very tough and we could take care of it. But all right, man, good luck. And he left and he called me like seven times trying to get me to, you know, obviously to hire them. But I never did. And so. That kind of launched me into, OK, what is Poa Annua? What is this cool season weed and how do I get rid of it? Like, well, how do I battle this thing? And it just I was like, well, I probably need to document it. So I just begin to take my camera phone, you know, my iPhone and film like, OK, here's what I'm doing here. And I did not ever intend on having a YouTube channel with you know whatever it's at. One point four thousand people. I'm like, holy crap, like people care. And so I don't take the approach. You know, I, I listen to something like you guys, you guys way more knowledgeable about, you know, lawn care stuff than myself. I take the approach as a normal guy who just is like, okay, I want to have a decent looking lawn for my kids, for, you know, the neighborhood and impress people and, and have that. Yeah, I did that factor. And, uh, and, and I'm just documenting it along the way and learning as I go. But as I said, I am a product of learning from YouTube and people are like, you did all that through YouTube. I'm like, yep. Learning from these guys that know better than me. And here we are. So that's kind of how I got into it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't learn that's uncommon. Go ahead. I learned how to weld on YouTube. No lie. Like that was, <laughs> it was a, a journey I went down that I wanted to learn how to weld. I, and I wanted to, to impress my dad, to be honest, uh, because he yeah. was the one who first showed me welding. I remember going to, uh, at the time it was Dover elevator and they had a big uh, fab shop behind his, his building. And, uh, you know, I got to run a MIG welder and a stick welder for the first time. And I, I kind of let it go. And he was always pushing me that one day I should learn it. And in the age of, of YouTube, many, many moons ago, I became hyper obsessed and you know, mm -hmm. bought a welder. And I said, I'm not going to stop until I figure out how to run a damn bead that I don't have to grind off six times to make it look decent. <laughs> so no, I get it, man. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's been fun to, I think somebody said it earlier, uh, maybe before we actually started, but it, 
failing. Like when you fail, you learn. And and that's what, you know, I'm, I'm, we'll probably get into it a little bit more when, you know, I'll pick y'all's brains on what you think things are. But yeah, it's like uh, the first time you see, like when I, you know, so I don't know, I've made a video on this and when it hit me, the bug bit me, the lawn care bug bit me, it was spring. And, you know, here in North Carolina, I wanted to have cool season lawn because that's what my dad had. And that's kind of, you know, what I sort of grew up around. And that's what I wanted to, you know, have. Um, but when the lawn care bug bit me, it was in the spring. And then I get a line. They're like, yeah, you want to plant your fescue in the fall. And I'm like, oh, great. So I got to wait all the way until, you know, the fall to do it. And so I did my best to maintain what I had. And uh, and yeah, man. And so I, when it, when you first see that that lawn, just that baby grass come up and watch the growth and you're like, it is so worth it to anybody that, you know, and not to not to diss anybody that's paying a company. Please don't get me wrong. But when you do it yourself and you're like, dude, I made that happen. That is one of the most satisfying feelings. Um, and, 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 you know, we've recently made videos about my neighbors who they've got, you know, seen what I've done and, and thought I was crazy at first. And now they're doing it. And they're like, man, there's a sense of pride. And uh, that definitely comes with uh, growing your own mind for sure. No, and that's that's the thing is like it's you know the the success, right, is intoxicating. I think Matt's talked about yeah. it before, and Ray's talked about it before. I feel it. It's like you know you see that and you do it, and you know mm -hmm. you, you get trust from more people of, hey, this guy knows what he's doing, you know, and right. and that's always good. But that intrinsic reward of just seeing it and being like, mm -hmm. man, all that hard work, all that time, all that energy, all that research, everything that you know goes into that. That's like. Mm -hmm. that whole self-fulfilling prophecy that you want to see happen you know it's usually the other way around when you think about that but that's awesome that's awesome and especially to be you know self-taught self-educated so you know you're going through how the house you mean that you're there now how long have you been there and what did you inherit right when you got there and then did that move did you move the needle at all before you took over this whole you know journey towards making the lawn better yeah so the way God worked it out was amazing because I didn't know I was going to go into the military. Uh, as I mentioned to you guys pre-show, um, I knew that I was not college, but I did not have any desire to go to college. When I got out, I was like, I'm going to find me a vocation that I'm good at and go into the work field. Well, after uh, getting a real taste of the work field, mm, not so much fun as being a kid and being able to hang out with your buddies and go skating all the time. So the military, my dad had thrown the military idea at me. That I am not, I'm not a military guy. But 9/11 had happened, and um, that had a really huge impact on me and my life, and and where I'm at today, and my family wouldn't be here had 9/11 not really impacted me the way it did. Seeing our soldiers on the TV and hearing, you know, the talks of war and what happened back then, um, you know, it kind of got me mad, <laughs> to be honest with you, as a young, you know, 18 year old kid. And so I began to, I walked into the recruiting station began to talk to them and, and got a computer networking job with them, took the ASVAB. And, uh, it, and at that time in 2001, two, I believe when I signed up, um, you know, it, it, um, you had to wait in line to get the basic training. I think I had to wait nine to 10 months to even get to go to basic training because there were so many people volunteering for the armed forces at that time. But long story short, after serving, being in the North Carolina national guard, coming back, I deployed in 2005 um, into the year 2006 to Iraq, was there, uh, did some uh, recovering, uh, you know, was dodging IEDs for a year, came back because I was a veteran. 
I then qualified, and I think I was now at the age of 23 or 24, I now qualified for a VA loan. And so we bought the house that we're in 13 years ago, 2008. Um, we bought it brand new, new construction via the, the nice. VA loan and a brand new construction. So yeah, it, it was just, it was brand new. And so uh, we sure. moved in and then I turned around, got promoted into another unit. And then as soon as we moved in here, I think it was two months, I was gone again for my second deployment. And my wow. wife was here and, and she was pregnant. And so she hates pregnancy to say the least because I wasn't here <laughs> the whole time. So Lord have she loathes. Yeah, that's the memory she has. But uh, it was yeah. new construction in 2008 and we've been here ever since. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, while I was gone, they would throw down some seed and put some fur down. My dad would come over and kind of maintain, you know, maintain the yard a little bit. Nothing. 10, 10, 10. He, he lives and dies by 10, 10, 10. That is, sure. it doesn't matter what, what year it, 10, 10, 10, <laughs> like that's that. And so, uh, 10, 10, 10, like uh, just, and that's ingrained in my memory. I see it in my sleep, but he would come over and, you know, and then I let it slip for a couple of years before, you know, everything I told you guys just recently, I finally decided. Sure. You know, seeing these superb lawns, I'm like, dude, how do they get the stripes like that? How do they do that? I want to try to do that. And then here we go, you know, about three years ago. And now here we are. So spring, yeah, yeah. spring is the time of year that it makes it all worthwhile, right? Because no matter what you do, it's seemingly successful. And, you know, it, it takes away, it takes away the pain mm-hmm. of the world. You know, even when yeah. I was out running routes, right? That, there's something about a spring morning when you get up, you hear the birds, you can smell it outside. There's a certain smell mm-hmm. in the air. There's a certain amount of humidity in the air. It's not too hot. And a customer can come out and tell you that, you know, they're going to they're gonna hack you with the blade and have their dog eat up your body parts. And you're just like, lady, hang on. I am enjoying the moment here. By the way, your lawn looks awesome. <laughs> so I just wanted to get that out there. Uh, you know, Matt, love- that's not that, that's like August when the when the balls are still zero and zero. You know, you're undefeated at that point. Life's good, right? You got all the. We were on course for a national championship this year. Okay, <laughs> it started slow, but we've obviously picked it back up. And so you don't need if the season started right now. Who who who'd be in the in the FBS championship? That's all I'm saying. Um. Anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted there with such snark and okay. sass. How's okay. Ohio State doing, by the way? I'm, we're in the, well, we're that, in the top four right now. I we're, know, we're I in the top know, four. Know. We're doing fine. I, can't oh. I know. God, See, everybody hates it. I love it. Uh, okay, Canadians, so, you, so there's been tall fescue there for the entire time, it sounds like. Nothing's changed. You just basically picked up what was there and said, yep. all right, I'm going to make this better. Yeah, it was it, being that I was deployed, uh, my wife and my dad, you know, obviously threw some I, I, British, it's Kentucky 31. They, that's what they did. They threw it out there. And I, I don't think, you know, after the initial planning and for dad's like, all right, there you go. And, you know, it's, it was green and it looks good. And I still have some pictures of what it looked like then until I came home. But after that, um, I've made several uh, videos about how I would, you know, not knowing anything before I decided to really educate myself on how to actually, you know, try to produce a good looking lawn. I'd walk out there and throw some seed down and, you know, throw some, you know, hope it rains and, and it would come up and then it would like, what happened to that? Oh, well, you know, back to the, you know, back to the football game, whatever. And just like, it, it wasn't, there wasn't a spark there to want to go deeper with it yet. So there, obviously it's, it was Kentucky 31 and weeds. And then 
Um, I know that prior to what, three years ago now, the year before that, and maybe even the year before that, two years prior to when I really started, you know, say, asking the question, how do I get a nice looking lawn? Didn't do a dang thing to the yard. So it was just, that's where the POA obviously came up. The weeds crept in. And then, you know, here I am making it literally making a decision. Okay. I'm going to have a nice yard walking out and the true green guys, guys like, uh, yeah, this is, this is an uphill fight, but he, guess what? Of course he has come back since He'd be like, look what I did sucker. Like, that that's mm-hmm. never happened. You don't you don't get that satisfaction, <laughs> but but uh, but it was mainly just weed filled with a sprinkling of fescue in it. So yeah. So what was your you know your first thing or you you know you've learned slow, but like maybe what was your mm-hmm. first objective, right? If we're gonna you know talk in military terms here, what were you trying? What were you trying to achieve at first? Was it just like uh, I'm gonna do some things and see if this all works, or was there like one specific thing that you tried to go after? So being that you know, when I when I got online and obviously you guys are sure familiar with Pete from GCI Turf. When I heard Pete was from North Carolina, ding, 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 follow that guy. He's and then when I heard 25 years experience, follow that guy. Listen, like I'm not the smartest guy in the world. When, when a guy has 25 years experience in lawn care and he's from North Carolina, follow that guy. Like uh, that's just me. But yeah. and, and and so, the you know, I started watching Pete's videos. OK, what's this guy? And, you know, obviously. He didn't go by what I'm doing. And there's lawn care plans out there. So I did get on a lawn care plan um, with the LCN lawn care plan. But I would watch Pete Mm -hmm. primarily because he's in the same region as me. So the first objective that I really saw was, okay, I'm in the spring and I'm everything I'm hearing is I need to plant in the fall. So what I'm going to do is make my lawn look the the, the very best I can make it look until fall. And um, so that being the case, you know, I did some occasional 2,4-D loads, 2,4-D, we'd be gone or whatever and would spray and try, you know, I think I hit the malorganite train and just threw down malorganite mm. and uh, and darkened it up. And so it was just spray some weeds, throw some malorganite, make it look the best I can. You know, I figured out that my, that I didn't know that my little uh, battery powered Black & Decker um, weed eater could edge. So I started edging so it was things like that, just, nice. you know, trying doing things you never did before that you're taking a little more pride, a little more care and and just kind of sort of document. Well, even then, I don't even know if I was documenting that I was just I, I was going to wait until I really um, was just feeding myself with, OK, Pete says we need to do this. He says we need to put down starter fur in the fall with the seed and and kind of preparing on what I, what the game plan was for upcoming, you know, September here where I'm at to really throw down. So until then, I tried to work with what I had. And like I said, uh, most of it was was garbage, but I made it look the best looking garbage lawn that I could. It actually, believe it or not, uh, my neighbor will tell you, it, it, it looked pretty good because a lot of people in the neighborhood, there, there's not a lot of people that, you know, as, as I've heard somebody say, if, if most people would just throw some fur, throw some seed and aerate, your lawn would look, you know, you would have 90 per, 90% better looking lawn than your neighbors. And it's true here. If people would do that, they would stand out. But a lot of folks here in the neighborhood haven't. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was the best looking that it could look at the time until fall came. Yeah, I like I like you know what you said there about like the edging and like all those little things that you you mm-hmm. continue to add to the mix. And then at the end, you know, you just kind of hinted at it like that's the beauty of of this, you know, whether it's a hobby or profession is like as good as it can be is as never good as it is, right? Like you can always make it better. And there's always like that next little thing that you can ring at, you know, ring out of the rag and get that next one or two or 3%. And right. maybe it's a product choice. Maybe it's a cultural practice. Maybe it's a different type of seed or 
species mm-hmm. or something that you're putting in there. And it could just be little detail things like, you know, you, Hey, I've always edged the sidewalk, but now I'm going to edge the driveway. And, you know, like right. I said, somebody comes by and says, dang, Steve, that's looking pretty good. And you're just mm-hmm. like, I know, I know. Right. right? And right. it's that, it's that moment, right? You just live for those moments. So that's pretty yep. cool. So, okay. Yeah. So now you're, you're into it or whatever. I guess, well, that you started then, where are you now? Like, where do things stand? What are, you know, as you've hang gone on. through this, you hang on, more, let oh, me, go, go, let oh, me, oh, 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 let oh, me stop oh, you before oh, we oh, get oh, to oh, now. Yeah. I, I, I revel in other people's misery, misery because I'm a miserable person. Let me ask, <laughs> what were your True. first pain points where you were questioning okay. yourself question. over whether or not the lawn was a good idea? Or you, I don't know, you may never reach that, but has there been some moments where you were like, I've got myself in a hole. I'm not sure which way to pivot. Yeah, I would say it, it's probably with what I'm still struggling with today uh, because I am new to this and I am a 100% a beginner. Like I said, everything is YouTube driven. So, you know, I've not, you know, I've not worked for a lawn care company as I always say in my videos. And I always like to put that out to people. I, please don't take all your advice from this guy. I'm just showing you what I do. But, but, I think right now, you know, obviously, like I was saying, seeing it come up and grow that first year of planting it, I've stuck with GCIC because, like I said, Pete's from North Carolina. It's in his reason. You see his lawn is like, wow, that's what oh, it's good that's the yeah, model yeah, yeah. to chase. And so uh, that's what I've worked with. And so GCI turf seed and then everything was going great. You know, we had some fungus issues, obviously nothing that made me want to quit, but it does make your heart drop when it's beautiful, fertilized, green looking lawn. And all of a sudden. I had some tingy orange show up overnight, not knowing oh, yeah. what this is. Oh, oh yeah. here you go. Here, here, this is so that I guess that would be the answer, Matt, is it was the fungus because here's the school of well, the <laughs> way my dad thinks, oh, we don't need to do the fungicide. They're just trying to get your money on that. And that's the thinking I had right. when I looked at that lawn care plan. It's fine. We'll fertilize mm-hmm. our way out of it, right? <laughs> uh-huh. but, you, know many people, you know how many people I got I, a bag of have, triple tin. Oh, that's right. Walmart. Yeah. That's right. And then, you know, no. yeah, that's when you go back and tell dear old dad, like, you know, hey, <laughs> father, all you're doing is just setting the table so I can put more seed down after this completely wipes <laughs> me out. Like, you know, we had a little problem before, but after you came out here and, you know, dumped a little bit of gasoline all over it, you know, i.e. the no. 10, 10, 10, we're going no. here, you know, that's when you got the house on fire and you wait 15 minutes to call the fire department and make sure it is a total loss, right? <laughs> As throwing the 10, 10, 10 on fescue with brown patch in North Carolina in the middle of summer. That's yeah. what that is. Yeah. So, Hey, yeah. so all I got to go say ahead. is aren't a lot of dads similar because you know what my dad used to do that oh God, I can't imagine, made, that, no, that made his lawn care a lot more complicated. Uh huh. Back in, back in the day, Dear Dad had a can of Bud Light in one hand and the water hose in the other. Oh. And it was about six o'clock at night. Just feet and just out there. Just hand the watering, waving yep, to the neighbors. Yep, like he's like hey. he's the zoo he's the zookeeper going into the pen, you know, hey, it's your nightly feeding boys, come and get it. That, yeah yeah and that large patch yeah. is going mr Ida's out here feeding us again that's right actually actually it was you know what you know what was uh you know what was enjoying uh dad's uh you know socializing hour with the neighbors and whatever yeah the the take call and the dollar spot 
that, uh, no, that's when I learned about Ben Late. That's when I learned about Ben Late, uh, Ryan. Because that... Dad, Dad was still alive when that was legal. So, yeah, after his watering thing, I'd I'd be out there uh, with the super sprayer that you know. Thankfully, he built for me, and I was just gunning down the lawn with fungicides, and <laughs> it all worked out. But I'm just saying that Dads are similar because. <laughs> See, Mr. Ferguson, what you got to understand is Ray, Ray is old enough that, you know, many of the harshest chemicals known to man that were allowed on turf were still legal when he was up and coming. Like, there was no YouTube. So, you know, his education in lawn care came from, uh, you know. Did I survive zero, or did I twitch did I, out? Yeah, did I switch <laughs> out? And uh, also, I'm just trying to make the lawn good so I can play lawn darts, right? Like, those were the <laughs> yeah, two things. Yeah. Those were the overriding yeah. factors in his lawn journey. So. You know, it's a little bit different now. You know, you just, you know, yeah. maybe you got a trampoline out there for the kids. There's no, you know, javelin spears that somebody can lose a foot over. But <laughs> so the disease thing is an issue, right? Like it's yeah. always going to mm-hmm. be an issue. So is that kind of, is that the now? It's like, hey, do you feel, okay, number one, you know, kind of piggybacking on Matt's question. Do you feel like you've maxed mm-hmm. out or is there still room to grow outside of the disease issue? Let's just table that for a second. But are there other areas that you think you can grow yet that you're like you know what i i know i'm doing a good job but i don't feel confident there what are some of those things outside of the disease thing because that's a whole big animal we'll tackle in a minute. oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. it's we'll help growing. you out oh yeah I, I appreciate it because there is oh my gosh there is so much room to grow <laughs> um and, and 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 i'm not and, and just to be clear if i didn't make yeah. it there earlier i'm not in it as a business um it is totally yeah, a yeah, hobby yeah. for me and uh, and and so that's why when I listen to you guys, I'm somehow I'm like, what are they talking about? The knowledge <laughs> that you guys spew, I, I'm serious. Like I, that's and that's what I tell people. Please don't listen to me. me. But as far as getting back to, this, I was gonna say, if there's at any point that you feel that way, please stop us. Because seriously, we, no, we're not good. dumb it down or anything. But we want to make sure you understand. So please don't ever feel like don't be like, uh, stop, stop. Like you can just <laughs> stop good. us. So, Go oh, on. I feel Go comfortable. On. I'm sorry. No, with the fungicide, I, I'll just point out that was the first time my heart sank. With the very first year, you've grown this beautiful looking fescue grass. And then, you know, I think it was, you know, the early, uh, early parts of spring, probably overnight rain. And all of a sudden there's this tingy orange all across. And you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Go back to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, what do I do, Pete? Like I need Pete on speed dial. Like, what do I do now? And so that's where, you know, and luckily, you know, I started, uh, you know, going back to the lawn care plan, like, Hey, num num, this is why you're on the lawn care plan. Maybe you should kind of pay attention to it. And it quickly basically taught me don't, there is no shortcuts where, you know, sometimes like, ah, we don't need the directions. We're a man. You put it together. You don't need the direct. So it's like, no, there is no shortcuts. Okay. This fungicide thing, I learned very quickly. It is real. It's not a waste of money. It's not a gimmick to just get my few dollars that I have in my bank account. Okay. uh, I I see it in my lawn now. So it's manifested there that I need to learn how to tackle it. And so that's what I, you know, that's what I began to research then. So we got through the fungicide and, uh, and, and survived basically all that. So I feel like I've, I've kind of got through that and we can, you know, obviously talk about it if you want to, but uh, the thing that's gotten me is I seem to have, um, hit this this period currently and I thought I had it figured out and I didn't. I hit about August and obviously North Carolina, it's humid, it's hot, you know, uh, very humid and hot. And all of a sudden it just started 
fading away. I, re- I specifically remember we went down to the Atlantic Beach. We came back and it was like sections of the yard had been shipped away on U-Haul. I was like, what happened? Like, it was just like, <laughs> what happened? It was a beautiful green looking lawn. And there you oh, see man. it on the screen. It's like, uh, what's going on? And so I, I was totally stunned and puzzled. Um, like, what's going on? And so from August and, and uh, excuse me, actually, it was earlier than I think it was um, early July, all the way into August. It was just, it was like slowly just yeah. going away. And, uh, and I was just totally stunned. Like, what is this? And I think I, I was so disappointed. I don't know if I went and researched how has this happened, what's happening, but I couldn't sure. figure it out. Like, wh- why is it just melting? I use the term in my videos. It just melted away, it seems like, day by day. So what was your summer like this year? I mean, as far as like, you know, was it hotter than normal? Was it wetter, drier than normal? What would you say? You've been you live there, you know, for mo- your entire life, just about. So, what what would you think? Yeah, this past summer, the, the the first season this happened. I mean, I would say it was an average summer based off. You know, this yeah. past summer we had, I believe, Mr. Kevin can probably help me in the check because I saw his name pop up. I think it was the the hottest May in North Carolina history this past May, wow. um, and I survived it, it this dry. May. Man, it was dry. Dry, no rain. It was hot. Um, yeah, it, it was no rain. And um, uh, maybe that's what it was. No lack of rain. We didn't have any rain whatsoever. Maybe that's what it was. Um, but but my original thinking to the first time the lawn melted away, I started thinking on that. It bothered me. I could not get it off my brain. Why did that happen? And as I began to look through Pete, some of Pete's material, I saw the definition of K, stress relief. And it hit me. I was like, okay, let me look at my last soil test because I had performed a soil test that first year and my K was so minimal. Uh, it was so small. I'm like, maybe that's the answer right there. It was my potassium stress relief, sun. If you don't have any stress relief, the sun's just going to eat it away. So the second year, replanting in, in, in September and coming back with, uh, then I did cool blue like an idiot because I wanted to, you know, it was the hot thing at the time with bluegrass. Total mistake there, but I learned. But <laughs> I started pumping in <laughs> potassium this past year and uh, was like, I'm going to hit potassium, potassium. That's why my yard melted away. Here's what we're doing, guys, filming on YouTube. Like we're pumping potassium. We're doing CK. We're doing, you know, 0020. I did some 0048. And mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I this year, this past summer, it, it, it helped. It did help a lot. When I did a soil test, I was still below the bar on K. But I was like, really? Like? Why am I still, I, I feel like I overdid potassium, um, but it did get me through June, through July. Fourth of July pictures looked awesome in my yard. It was, the, I was like, I figured it out. Mr. Ferguson is the man. Ha ha ha. Screw you, Lon. I figured it out. It was potassium. Yeah. And here comes late August, late August into September. And here it starts happening again. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And you talk about feeling like defeated. That's literally this past summer. That's when I I felt the most defeated. Not that I well, I think in my head one time I said, "Screw this, man! I just I don't need a YouTube channel." I, you know, I, you know. But in the same sense, I'm like, this is great content because there's other people out there that's having the same exact problem as me. They're seeing their lawn melt away, and they're like, "Why is this happening?" And I don't know. And I thought it was potassium, but uh, and then I started turning towards um, lack of insecticide. Lack, of, you know, is it an insecticide problem? An insect problem? eating away the lawn. So that those have been my directions. First, it was K and I know that I need to raise my K, but then it turned to 
am I not putting, you know, not putting insecticide down? Is this an, an infestation of bugs just coming in and eating it all up? So that's that's kind of been my trouble spot, having a nice looking lawn all the way basically to August. And then it just falls apart and can't consistently keep it year round with this North Carolina heat. That's been my struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the things when we bring, you know, when we have DIYers and homeowners on here, you know, the, the, probably the most important set of skills you can develop, right. Is that, you know, there's certainly a lot of products out there that help and, you know, not here to disparage any of those or anything like that, but more so on the, on the sense of, um, you know, learning how to develop your diagnostic skills, right. You know, like Mm -hmm. in your, in your job, right. You know, you talked a little bit about it, you know, off the show, but you wouldn't just like hand somebody a new device and be like, oh, that'll fix it. Just take it. Like you want to help them get to the root of their problem. Right. And figure out, okay, like, is it this, is it that, is it, you know, go through the flow chart in your mind of how to troubleshoot and diagnose that. And I think those are some of the really Mm -hmm. important skills that, you know, if you're looking for good content ideas and creators, if you're out there listening, I think that is almost more important than showing what products, you know, Mm -hmm. do and don't work. And to that end, on the yeah. product side, I think something that would be, you know, uh, benefit everybody is using check pots, right? So, like with your K apps, like put a little, mm-hmm. you know, four by four sheet of plywood down someplace at the same time every time, and okay, hey, are we seeing more or less stress? You know, if that's the, you know, sort of the metric in that case here or mm-hmm. not, right? Because it's going to tell us if it's a product issue or maybe it's something that's not related, and and that could be an issue too. So. Certainly, you know, there's both sides of it, right? Like there's the diagnostic mm-hmm. side and there's, hey, what products can I leverage against the threat, you know, or risk that I'm, I'm facing here yeah. and how can I do that effectively? Yeah. But one thing too that I thought about, and Ray, maybe you can help out here. Ray, can you talk to Mr. Ferguson about summer decline, right? And particularly, not so much, you know, a, a biotic situations or biotic issues, but more abiotic stress and how that occurs and what happens over the course of summertime that, leads us to uh crop failure okay hey thank you ryan for putting it so uh succinctly in that basically what you're looking at is you're looking at grass that is outside of its optimum growth potential and what's causing that is it's just too hot it's just too hot, and what exacerbates that is not having enough water, mm-hmm. and it just adds up to the point where I don't care how good a fungicide program you have. I don't care if you've preventatively treated for insect pests, uh, and also... Surprisingly, other thing that doesn't matter is your potassium levels, because what is actually going to make or break your turf grass conditions is number one, temperatures, and number two, moisture content. Because by the way, I go through that too, where Mm -hmm. I call where I'm living Gilligan's Island. (laughs) You know why I call it Gilligan's Island? It we can be without rain. We can be without rain for months Hell on yeah. end. Months. Mm. And then all of a sudden it flash floods and then it's gone. Yeah. And so 
I don't care if somebody says that, oh, grass X or grass Y is quote unquote drought resistant. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, you take your drought resistance and uh, watch this when it doesn't rain for, for 60 to 90 days. Right. And, and I'm pretty, and you know, and looking at your pictures, mm -hmm. I see a particular pattern in your grass. Mm -hmm. I notice it's a lot more compromised as you get closer to the road. Yep. And you know why? Because that grass is trying to endure the heat coming off of the road. Asphalt, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then likewise, on the side of your house, which mm -hmm. direction does that side of the house face, Steve? The sun, so this is, it's facing the west. So the sun comes on this picture, it comes from the right to the left, if that makes sense. Okay, no, that makes plenty of sense so, because what I'm seeing is, is when the sun reflects off of the house, mm -hmm. that turns into an endurance test for the grass too. Mm. Because, you know, I'm thinking in terms of unlike, us, the grass cannot uh, run into the house, crank up the AC, and uh, suck down a glass of sweet tea. <laughs> yeah. Grass yeah. can't do that. I heard that. You know? right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you see, you see, Matt. I get it. Yeah. Okay, I totally get it. Off on you there. <laughs> oh, well, it, it's already it's already come off on me. So, and it, and and you know, can't deny that. But in any case. You know, what I see happening to you is the side effects of really hot weather. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just that's just what I'm seeing. Super for, hot for weather, right? People that are that are watching this that have never managed turf in North Carolina or the, the, the southern ends of the transition zone. It's a bit of a different animal. It's just weird. Um and I, it's 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 hard to describe, you know, like one of the things we were looking at earlier this year was um, I was talking with Ryan North because uh, earlier in the season than I was in Tennessee, he was having higher highs uh, and occasionally would have lower lows. And oftentimes he would have higher humidity. And the, the strange thing about it, though, was you know, his, his, uh, his perennial ryegrass was staying alive. And that's, you know, we were, we were trying to, to figure a lot of that out, but also the growing season there is, is quite a bit shorter, right? So you've got an extensive period of snow cover that takes place. The growing season gets started a lot, uh, uh later into the season where, you know, here, you know, really by the end of February, you're, you know, you're starting to get cut again and, you know, March rolls around and you're, full throttle, 100% right back in the throes of it. And some areas, and not, I think I think by then Ryan's pretty much at it too, but uh, you know, some places a little further up north, you know, they may not get going until April. Or they may not even, you know, up in the northern parts of Michigan and stuff or Minnesota, they may not be getting going until May. And so, you know, down here where really, you know, the grass is going to continue to be cut until about Christmas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it's a, it's a very short amount of time that you could, that you really can take off. And then we have weird years, like this time three years ago, when uh, the third week of February, it was 86 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, what do you do when, when that takes place? You, you're, you're, you're 65 at night, you're 86 during the day and it's February and you've got tall fescue. That's just blasting out of the ground at a hundred miles an hour. And by the time March rolls around, you've got, you, you've got a lawn full of brown patch. It's crazy. So, and it's not to say that's always the, the, the case here, but it's one of those things that happens. And when it starts like that and it starts hot, starts dry and then typically when we get rain you know we we get um i don't know how it is for you but you know we average you know 50 inches of rain a year over here and when we get rain typically we're getting an inch two inch dump you know in an hour and a half two hours and then it's going to be dry right and so you've just got this massive amount of rainfall that came down what's your what's your absorption rate and it's not going to be very high right and you kind of run into these situations and you're always having to pivot and jump back and forth. And it just, it presents a, a managing turf in this area is, is a, it's, it's a different animal. I'll put it that way. And that's why mm-hmm. I gave up. And uh, even for my lawn, I was like, I'm just doing Bermuda cause I'm not dealing with this. And the reality of the situation is, is that no matter how good your program is, no matter how good uh, you dial in things, no matter how kind the weather is to you, you can pretty much write off 20% of your grass every year. You just, it's going to go somewhere. I don't know where it's going to go. Like you said, it's going to hop into the back of a U-Haul and just vaporize. Um, oh, yeah. It's- and that can be even on a good fungicide program, the same thing can happen. And where you do lose that 20%, a lot of times you're going to get 20% infiltration to take its place from Bermuda grass. And then you got a whole new set of issues on you if you're trying to maintain its off fescue lawn. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a little bit different. And I want to make it clear that it's especially for someone that just says, you know what, I'm going to dive into this and figure it out one day at a time. Yeah. It's going to take a while to figure it out. You know, like Pete pete has been doing it for 25 years. And I guarantee you, if you ask him right now, he and I talk enough to know that there's, you learn something new every day, every week, every month, every year. And, uh, and that's what makes so much of this fun uh, for, for people too, is that it's, it's a never ending quest, right? And you're never satisfied. You can never stop learning and, uh, and you can take it as far as you want to. So I brought up the whole thing about pain points, not to actually revel in your misery, but to say that, you know, it's completely normal and these challenges are going to continue to present themselves and, um, Mm -hmm. don't let it defeat you because, it's uh it's it's all part of the process right and you know i can i i could tell you starting right now i could talk nonstop for three hours about lawns that i've killed on accident right um things that are completely catastrophic that you know launched investigations into me and things that are just absolutely minor (laughs) um even landscape around that has died, you know, that you've got to play detective work on and you don't know why every time you plant a shrub here, it dies. And it doesn't matter what, what shrub you plant, but every time you put one in this spot, it dies a hundred percent of the time. And you're, you're sending off soil analyses and you're involving the, uh, um, the, the state and the extension office. And, you know, come to find out it's where it's positioned behind a basketball goal and it gets hit by a basketball every time, you know, the neighborhood kid airballs it, right? It just it hits it every right. time it killed it. And, you know, it took you it took you a year and a half just to figure that out because you were out there mm-hmm. at the right time and you saw it happen. And it's, it, right. it's, it's one of the things like he talked about heat reflecting off the side of the house. Do you mm-hmm. know 
how many burn spots I've seen in grass in a perfect square where it's been reflecting mm -hmm. off a window and it left a dead yep. spot in a lawn. And it's only because I got there at the opportune time that I was able to, to figure out why it was there. So that is exactly, we went over to my neighbor and me and my wife are standing there talking to Mr. Kevin. He's well known on the channel, Mr. Kevin. And we're standing there and it started burning. I was like, what is it? And there's a window right there. And like, and it's slightly elevated, you know, right above his driveway. And I mean, the sun is hitting it perfect and it's shining right on us. And we're like, oh my goodness. And I'm very shocked that it's not, you know, I think he backs his car up a certain distance now because it could, you know, land right on his vehicle. But, uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, that's crazy how that happens. Yeah. It's, and, and that's, that's what makes this, you know, fun and challenging at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. again, that's why I, you know, I, it, it's not to beat you up but that I bring it up. It's to say that it's completely yeah. normal and the same things you're going through. We still go through them all the time too. Well, I, I don't anymore cause I don't have to treat lawns anymore unless I choose to. So that's <laughs> lucky for me. Um, all right. So we're there and, uh, I, I guess, I guess we'll kind of move on to the point where I believe you sent a soil test to us. Is, is that correct? Did I make that up? Yeah, oh, so one go, of those, there we go. Yeah, this is from the local extension. I've never been there before. Um, was like, okay, I'm going to try these. So this is the one and only time I've ever went to a local extension in my county here and uh, delivered a soil test. I can't even, hopefully the date is on there because I can't even remember when this was. Um, uh, recently, know. September. September, okay. Beginning of September. Since it was free, I was like, hey, why not? And so, yeah. 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 Well, the, the it's it's funny what all kind of stands out here, which is not really much except for uh uh do I not see Oh, I thought I uh, pH is 6.9. You're good there. You got plenty of manganese. My goodness, you got some manganese. <laughs> it has consistently Whoa. been high over that's three years manganese has always been been high and just in the soil actually oh i talked to you i'm gonna pull up some of those that's the highest manganese i've ever seen as a matter of fact i i've i've seen it that high matt i've seen have it that you? high i never have mm -hmm. i've, seen I've never it. seen zinc that no, high I've, either okay there are certain regions uh where for whatever reason the soil composition tends to have very high levels of uh, the metallic elements such as manganese and zinc and copper. But you know what your you know what is you know what your saving grace is here? His soil pH. Yes, because if his soil pH were under six, all of that manganese, copper, and zinc would become extremely toxic. And that would happen very fast. Okay. I almost wonder if, uh, I don't know, I'd be, I'd be real curious. And this is way too technical, but I'd be curious if you put, if you put, say, a pound or even a half pound of nitrogen from ammonium sulfate on this, and you buffered mm -hmm. that upper quarter of an inch to a 5.5 could that lead to temporary issues because of just no 
extreme no, it wouldn't be a short period of time no it wouldn't it wouldn't cause a problem uh because a half a pound to a, or even a quarter pound of nitrogen per thousand square foot from ammonium sulfate would not acidify this low enough and long enough to cause uh that kind of a problem but i'm guessing that if you were to ever start using ammonium sulfate as your nitrogen source you'd see incredibly green grass okay. i'm talking stupidly green grass and it would be above and beyond any of the brand name or proprietary products that you're familiar with okay and okay. so here's the thing, and, and I wonder too, is this parts per million or pounds per acre? Because that is, uh, I mean, that is, my goodness. It's got to be parts per million. Yeah, I, I, I think so, because I, I think it, based off the uh, the phosphorus and potassium recommendations here, I, I'm assuming they're reporting that in parts per million. Cause, um, mm-hmm. If it was 50 parts per million of potassium, they wouldn't be saying that was above optimal. Uh Oh wait, J Pink just sent it to me over here in a in a different one. Let's see if they have it listed out. No, they don't. They don't specifically state on this, but yeah, we'll call it. It's got to be parts per million. It has to be. So in effect, by so ammonium sulfate is an acidifying fertilizer, right? And what happens is is that at neutral pHs or or yeah at neutral. In most instances, unless your soil is extremely acidic, very quickly, your micronutrients will, and I I use this term lovingly, bind up. It will lose its solubility because it will react with other nutrients in your soil, namely calcium and phosphorus, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, for instance, like a lot of that manganese may exist in your soil as manganese phosphate or zinc phosphate. And through uh, uh, applying an acidifying fertilizer, reducing that pH, it can solubilize that zinc phosphate and that manganese phosphate. And so through the acidification, and one, you're getting nitrogen from the ammonium sulfate, you're getting a bit of an acidifying effect. You're also solubilizing those micronutrients. And so um, as you increase in solubility, you get uh, the greater potential for uptake, right? Because plants don't take up solids, right? That the way plants take up nutrients is by drinking it. Um, you know, we we eat as humans. We we eat solid food. Plants can't eat solids. They have to drink all their nutritional uptake, right? And so the important thing is always solubility. Um, and it, because if 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 a plant's going to be able to drink it, it has to be in solution, not in suspension. Um, unless you're at the the nano size scale where it could actually move into the leaf tissue, but actually, um, uh, it actually dissolves right. And so, using an acidifier fertilizer like that can increase the solubility of these micronutrients. And so, what you end up getting out of that is you get to take advantage of these free micronutrients that you got in the soil if you're looking for that type of color response. So instead of going out and and spraying oh, yeah. a micronutrient package right across your lawn and you know doing it every two weeks or you got an event coming up and you light it up wiring or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. you can do that. Nothing wrong with that. But 
you can do the same thing by just applying a you know thirteen dollar bag of ammonium sulfate, and all of a sudden you got the same color response as if you know you you did a fertilizer application and a micronutrient application, right? Because you get to capitalize on what you've already got built up in the soil. Um, your potassium levels aren't aren't bad at all anymore. Um, so you're at a hundred, and typically, like from my perspective, when I'm managing properties. Um, it's when I dip below a hundred is where I start to get nervous. Um, you're at a hundred. So theoretically you could probably go an entire year without applying potassium and you're going to be fine. Um, that's not to say you should stop applying potassium for the rest of your life kind of sort of thing. But if you let it go for a year, take a look and see where you are, see how much you dipped, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, not really a big deal to to lose 20 you know 30 parts per million of potassium in a year then you know you can start adding it back in your program you know add a couple apps try and get you know a pound of potassium down through the course of the year or whatever and bring it back up to 100 now depending on how I- intensive you want to do this there's you know other ways out there there's other methodologies like MLSN says you know you can let it ride all the way down to 50 parts per million and you're going to be safe because <laughs> you're not going to elicit uh, uh, deficiency symptoms until you get to 50 parts per million. To me, that's cutting it too close. It makes me nervous. It, it's scientifically sound, but I panic at that. And, you know, because I don't, I don't want to have to, for me, I never wanted to have the conversation with a customer that, you know, sorry, it looks like dog trash because I was trying to experiment to see how low I could take your potassium level. That, it, that was not a conversation I could have with a customer, right? And so 100 for me was always where I felt comfortable, right? If I'm at 120, 130, yeah, I'll skimp on some potassium. Uh, if I'm at 65, 70 parts per million, I'm probably not going to skip on potassium. I'm going to start adding that into the program kind of sort of thing. At 82 parts per million of phosphorus, I'm not worried about applying phosphorus. Save the money. You don't need to. And what's actually kind of fun for you in this scenario too is uh, even during seed establishment, yeah, mm-hmm. if you want to apply a little bit of seed establishment, can you? Yeah. Do you have to? No. Are you going to see much of a difference if you don't? Probably not. Okay. You probably, it won't be enough of a difference that you'll be able to look at and be like, you know what? I'm really glad. Uh, you, you just, you won't notice. The, the, the difference will be so small, it's insignificant at that point because you have plenty of phosphorus and you have a soil pH that is actually uh, beneficial for uh, the availability of that phosphorus as well, too. You'll hear a lot of these terms like, oh, is my phosphorus locked up? Are my nutrients locked up? It's really unimportant unless you're trying to get um, a, an unnatural amount of material into the plant, right? So mm-hmm. if you're trying to, like for instance, a lot of people apply micronutrients because they love that blue-green look, right? Well, unfortunately, that's also, you're asking the plant to be a level of green that's beyond its genetic limit. And so that's why you have to continue to dose that in order to keep it beyond its genetic limit. And, you know, the same thing when we talked about things that are, that are locked up, so to speak, once you have grass growing, what's beautiful about the grass is that as long as it's in your soil, whether it's locked up or not the plants are going to be able to take it up. And that's because the roots 
have this amazing phenomena called uh, exudates. And it's where it's emitting uh, uh, chemicals and organic compounds out of the roots, out of the root tips itself that will solubilize those nutrients that are in the soil and allow them to come up so the plants can drink Mm -hmm. it and take it into the plant, right? So you never have to worry about, I'm telling you, for the rest of your life, you will never have to worry about supplementing micronutrients probably ever again. Um, If you're looking for that blue-green type of color, you can put down some ammonium sulfate, and it's going to turn mm-hmm. that blue-green type of color. One thing you do have to pay attention to, though, is you're going to have to guard your pH well because, mm-hmm. you know, realistically, beyond a, beyond a six, I'd say you're probably going to be fine at a six. It'd be somewhere, I think, I think the high risk point would be like a 5.5. You get to a 5.5, manganese toxicity, zinc toxicity in this particular case too. Co- I mean, hell, copper too is incredibly high. You're mm-hmm. starting to really flirt with disaster there because so much of it can get into the plant. Have you ever apl- over applied iron to this point? Oh, yeah. You know yeah. how it turns that uh, black color? Yeah, I've seen it get dark like that. Yep. So it, it, okay. manganese toxicity would be very similar or zinc toxicity. That's iron toxicity that you elicited there with that dark color. If your pH gets too low, all of this becomes solubilized at one time. And then as the plant takes that up, all you've run into a situation where, you know, you've, you've, you roasted the grass, but you didn't really do anything except fertilize it. So mm-hmm. it would be, if, if, if this were a property I maintained, I would be very cognizant of the pH and be very corrective about it. Once it got to a pH of me personally, I'd probably let it get to like a five, seven, five, eight, and then. I'd start doing corrective lime applications to it. Ray would probably play it a little safer and at a six, you'd probably start Ray. Well, actually I would start it at, uh, you know, watching it at six. And the other thing that I'd be doing is because your manganese and zinc levels and copper levels are so high, believe it or not, what I do is I'd look for a micronutrient treatment that was more iron heavy rather than manganese, zinc, and copper heavy. In fact, your lawn would be the special case where my routine treatment for it would consist of 2100 ammonium sulfate and iron in the form of iron sulfate. That would literally be my routine application on a lawn like yours. And the reason why is because iron in appropriate amounts is a counterbalance to high zinc levels and high manganese levels. It do actually. You, do you have red soil? No. Um, I, now, in the general area, there's, there, there is red soil. Yeah, but, uh, but not, not in my lawn. Hmm. Not red. But but you are in what uh, in what I'd call a a red dirt region, right? Mm-hmm. You're in a yeah, red dirt region because, by the way, Matt, I'm familiar with red dirt, and that's why I know about manganese <laughs> toxicity because of that. 
Yeah. So Demay, you, we were, we were taking a look at his soil test here and telling him he didn't really have to worry a whole lot about micronutrients with those, with those loads right there. Get, uh, a lo- get a dump truck load of that right there, boy. Look at that copper level. <laughs> <laughs> boy, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm you surprised don't get any soil. algae in that lawn. <laughs> <laughs> it could. That's uh does it, does your soil have like a, a, a radioactive looking blue green teal color to it? I'm just curious with all that. I was, was going to say, I, I was going to say that uh, it's pretty clear that somebody was feeding uh, Centrum Silver vitamins to this soil long, you know, long before the house was built. So, <laughs> kudos, you know, copper nails. Maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit of polydent in the lawn. That'll kind of smooth <laughs> things out, you know, something like that. You know. <laughs> Um, okay. Demay, the only thing we said about nitrogen was, uh, uh, using, uh, ammonium sulfate to, to elicit a, a, a pretty strong color response because of, uh, the potential solubility of those micronutrients there. But that, that's really about all we touched on, on nitrogen management. So I'm glad you're back. Yeah. And I think that's, I was just going to say, you know, the ammonium sulfate people might at home might be learning, well, man, like that low of a pH and you're going to use an acidifying nitrogen source. Yeah. But it's also something that, where pH is also at the top of mind here, as you know, Ray was saying, where you're going to want to pay attention to it. You're going to get your best bang for your buck on using AMS, right? In terms of what you were saying, solubilizing those micronutrients that are already there and the acidification effect you're going to, you're going to get, albeit, you know, weak is still something that you're going to have to manage pH anyway, right? Regardless of whether you use AMS or not. So I don't see that being a big deal. So again, that's more for the folks that are scoring at home. And looking at that so source wise yeah i think you're good there however if you used urea i don't think there would be anything wrong with it right you're still going to get a pretty good response out of that as well so you know the thing i'm i'm thinking about here gentlemen is and i'll be interested to hear both of your takes i have my own opinions but i you know uh i'll tell you if, if you're wrong according to me no i'm kidding um <laughs> tall fescue matt, what's matt martin's plan of attack on tall fescue in terms of nitrogen management and i just mean like distribution so like you know uh march april may how much is going out june july august how much is going out september october november how much is going out you know regardless of sources let's just talk about total for the year and how you would distribute that like say on a percentage basis in those three uh those three quarters essentially yeah, so uh out of the gate probably a pound and a half uh through the course of the summer and if if we're getting a lot of rain and some cooler temperatures probably up to a pound uh and then in the fall is going to be somewhere around 2 pounds of in. Uh so so a quarter, a quarter and a half in those quarters then, correct? You know, so a quarter quarter of your end in the first, you know, March, April, May, another quarter of your total end, June, July, August, and then 50% of your end in September, October, November. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So, some, about something four pounds about like total. That. Okay. Yeah, four to maybe maybe even four and a half, depending on how the, how the season's going. Ooh. Yeah, because you, you you're get... pouring those drinks heavy, Mr. Bartender. If we have a, a mild fall, because this is kind of the situation we run into, right? Like for, for us yeah. here in, in Knoxville, it's uh, August and September are our dry months. And 
And when it gets dry, you never know what you're going to get. Like that may mean you only get rain once a week, which is great, you know, because then you're balling, right? You come right out of summer and you're, it's on fire. But it could mean that it's not going to rain for eight weeks at all. And, uh, and it's going to be blazing 90 degrees the entire time. And, and then you're like, Lord have mercy, this fall sucks, right? And because then it goes straight from that, you start getting rain and then it drops to 50 degrees and you're like, well, I lost my whole overseed season. You know, what do I do? And you're out there just spreading seed, you know, feeling like a dumbass because you know it's not going to show up until the next spring. You're like, yes, <laughs> I love this. Ray, what about you? If you were, if you were magically transported again, into the southeastern United States, and you had tall fescue to take care of. How would you do it with your nitrogen? How would you distribute in those three quarters, knowing what you know about the climate and um, just how temperamental tall fescue can be sometimes? Okay, what I'd be doing is quarter pound of in from, in his case, AMS mm-hmm. per application in the spring. And then, depending on what the summer looks like, if it is hot and dry in the summer, I'd probably cut my nitrogen, and then I'd play it by ear going into the fall. Once we're past the hot weather, once it starts raining again, get cools off, and the grass is actively growing again, then I would start hitting it. You know, quarter to a half a pound per month of growing season, stopping about a month before the grass actually goes dormant. And might not, my might, emphasis no, might not go dormant. There. And my like totally. Yeah, but then my the emphasis would be, mm-hmm. yeah, and my emphasis would be on actually feeding up the grass in the fall because. Yeah. I I heard what you said, Ryan, about how the fiscal year for cool season mm-hmm. grass is in the fall. Yeah, so, starts September one. Yeah, so you better, you know, dot your eyes and cross your t's, you know, in the fall. And by the way, if your grass is fed up well enough in the fall, it will actually maintain reserves called carbohydrate reserves going into the spring so that your need for a lot of fertilizer in the spring and summer is actually very low and that's actually in your favor Mm -hmm. because what you don't want to be doing to your grass knowing that summer is brutal Uh, You don't want to put your grass on a lot of nitrogen and then it turn hot and humid because that's just torture. That would be like, uh, that would be like, okay, that kid eating those five burritos (laughs) and then I, I put that kid on, uh, what I know is the Matterhorn oh, yeah. at Magic Mountain in uh, in California. Have you ever seen that thing? Yeah. <gasps> every, <laughs> no, every California. It's yeah, it's six. Yeah. It's six flags. It's uh, it's yeah. intense. Uh, it's everybody, 
Yes. It, yeah. It's a roller coaster. You, add that to <laughs> you the list of the things that I'm scared of. I don't do roller coasters, man. What well, about would, then if I'm you just, had to uh, real quick? Cause you know, we were asking absurd questions before the show, which is where this came from, by the way. So number one, if you don't know what we're talking about, I promise you nobody here dropped acid at any point before or during the show, because they're probably like five burritos, man. These guys are hosted right now. None of that. <laughs> Second thing is if you don't watch the pre-show, you can hop on twitch.tv forward slash the grass factor and watch that every week, Thursday, Thursday, starting at 8 p.m., one hour before the regular show starts. So that's where that came from. Please don't think we're weird. Uh, Ray, <laughs> we got to mm -hmm. ask Matt real quick. Uh, this is our absurd question. Matt, if you had to do one of these three things, base jump, skydiving, or ride a roller coaster, had to do one, gun to your head, what are you going to do? Skydive. Really, hundred percent. I would not. I would, I would not. It. I would do it tomorrow. That. If I, if, but you won't well, ride a roller wife, coaster. <laughs> yeah, it's the damnest thing, man. I'm telling you. Okay, will not ride you a see, roller coaster. Click, 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 click. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the anxiety it's the, and the buildup versus. The, if I'm in an airplane, just jump, boy. <laughs> boy, she thick, boy. But the you can say airborne real loud when you jump airborne. But but then don't you think the anxiety clock you know starts in your head of is the main shoot going to come out? Yeah, is the reserve shoot going to come out? I don't know. Well, at that All point, right. you were in a life or death fight or flight situation, <laughs> right? And 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 so you and you've only got what twenty seconds until you've got impact, right? So the length of anxiety. How long does it take? I've been on a roller coaster before. I tell you right now, at, you know, I grew up in Memphis. We had Liberty Land in Memphis. We had one of the uh, one of the oldest rinkety dink damn wooden roller coasters you've ever seen called the Zippin' Pippin. And this thing was uh, an OSHA disaster. <laughs> Wait, did disaster. you say Pippin or Pimpin? Yes, sorry. Uh, uh, a Zippin' Pippin uh, for hmm. for like Scotty Pippin kind of sounding thing, right? Okay. Okay. And boy, it, I'm telling little... you. It was the most miserable thing. And it, you come around a turn and you hear the wood creaking and cracking and stuff. And, oh, just get me for three minutes you're dealing with this. <laughs> if I got 20 seconds to impact, I mean, that's in terms of percentage points there. That's, that's a much shorter ride. Well, I'm telling you what, the next time. If I'm going to go take me out quick where I, I don't have to think about it a whole lot because I don't deal well, with anybody really. Next time we're together, we're going skydiving. So just book that. All right. So anyhow, <laughs> let's get back to the nitrogen thing here real quick. So great points. And the thing I, you know, you guys both touched on a few of the things I wanted to say regarding this and then talk about, you know, what your strategy has been and maybe where it might be holding you back too. The few things are, um, as Ray alluded to, I'm a huge proponent that your fiscal year for your cool season grass begins on September 1st. So you know, the physiology of the plant, right? And I'll see if I can pull this up real quick. But, you know, the physiology of the plant dictates that we've got what's called a bimodal growth pattern. Let's see if I can do this. Pardon me. I should have been more prepared. But, um, ooh, this is a great one. You didn't know, we were, you didn't know we were going to bring this up. You didn't know we were going to bring this up. Uh, I, you know, we always again, we go into these things so unprepared. And our producer, Mr. J. Pink, makes it so easy on us and makes us look, look so good i i can't thank yeah. him enough so he puts up with a lot of our crap too so there's also that okay <laughs> so uh yeah, yeah. throw Spin that up for me old jerk j pink i know he's gonna mute my mic okay. i keep talking uh, about him Spin okay out. okay but you but you see this uh 
this gross curve. Yep. Okay, right about now here in the summer is if you mm-hmm. were to be throwing down stupid amounts of nitrogen, uh, let me give you another analogy. What's that? What would happen to you if you over eat, like, say, the pepperoni special, and then you it's went spinelli. to bed immediately, or anywhere, and then you went to bed immediately after, after that, how many tums and Prilosec are you going to need to get through that night? I, I can't Ray, imagine it being good. The amount of Pepto-Bismol that I would need is nowhere near the amount of uh, <laughs> you know trees I would kill uh, via Charmin the following day. That's what I worry <laughs> about, right? Parts of the Amazon rainforest would be extinct <laughs> for life due to that choice. So I try not to make those choices and put myself in that position. Yeah, yeah, but then, but then, likewise, did it again. <laughs> no, likewise, still, I'm so sorry. You know, you know, relevant to grass. Yeah, you know when grass is overfed, when it is not at a high growth potential. Mm-hmm. This is basically asking and begging for trouble. Yeah. And no by the way, do you know when my dip in my growth curve is? Well, yours is completely my flipped. Dip. Yours is all summer long. This oh, is wow. yours dip in the growth yeah. curves right now. Yeah, my dip in my growth curve begins like from November until I want to say April. So, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't get happy on my nitrogen right now either. I kind of start to pull back a little. But then speaking to somebody growing turf type tall fescue in the transition zone. Sure. The time when, when you should be taking it easy because you're going to give the grass indigestion. Mm-hmm. It's basically between, I want to say, June through August. Uh, do not, you know, do not listen to these people that say, throw it down. Well, let me give you yeah. a yeah. compounding yeah. factor talking here. About? This is, this is it, particularly in North Carolina. And, you know, Paul, Paul Outlaw turned me on to how much of an issue this is in North Carolina. And it's interesting because it's, it's much worse there than, than we have to deal with it here is. During the rebound period of summer into fall, late summer into fall, particularly North Carolina is being eaten alive with gray leaf spot. And it's and so that presents a whole new set of challenges because you feel like the worst is over. You're out of brown patch season. Maybe Mm -hmm. you skirted through pythium season. But now all of a sudden you've got brown patch part two in the form of gray leaf spot. And it's so severe. And, and this is what's crazy is it's so I didn't realize it would be severe enough to completely smoke out a property. Oh, um, I've dealt yeah, with it. In, uh, yeah. I, and and so the, I, the few times I have to deal with it, it's never severe enough that it's caused that much of a problem. You, know, you get a little fungi set on it. You call it good and you move on with your life and typically don't have to deal with it. And, you know, Paul Allah was talking to me. He's like, no, man, like it is, it is roasting lawns. Absolutely smoking. I was like, man, that's crazy. I started doing a little reading and, you know, NC State has like, gray leaf 
lease for gray lease for gray lease for i'm like oh my goodness up everybody's having a panic attack over there and uh and he's sending pictures of course i'm like wow that is absolutely bananas so i i guess yes. this may be a good segue to move over into fungicide management because you know i think <laughs> i think probably what you feel most comfortable with up to this point would be brown patch right i think i think everybody starts to develop a bit of a, a, a process for managing brown patch. Um, Pythium mm -hmm. is probably the outlier because you won't see it uh, uh, every year um, in, in your area. When it does happen, it typically comes on fast, hits fast, hits hard, and then moves on. But mm -hmm. I think what people aren't prepared for or oftentimes misdiagnose or don't understand what the severity, severity could be, which is even new to me, and that's, that's great leaf spot. I think that is a lot of the the big missing caveat um, that's that's facing your area. So okay, we'll we'll glance through this first, right? And I, you know, we'll try not to to beat you up with dollar signs too much on uh, when it comes <laughs> to fungicide management because, um, you know, there there are, there are ways to to mind our budget around here, but you know, with brown patch, what have you been doing up to this point? Or brown patch. Propiconazole has been my friend. That's because a lot of what you just said, budget-wise, it's you know I've looked at also listening to Pete. He's you know he's kind of like I said, he's been kind of my mentor of, and he's on top of the twenty days turn around, you know, apply again, and and you know the last what twenty you know twenty twenty five whatever. So. I've not been as consistent as Pete and you know how he's a stickler about things. I'm like, Pete, uh, I'm a dude with the city job. I can't afford gallons of propiconazole all the time, but I've, I've done propiconazole and oxystrobin then the cheap form of disease X. Uh, typically I've thrown down that in the springtime. And then when I see brown patch kind of resurface, my attack has mainly been propiconazole. But when I'm seeing like, you know, and, and maybe this is a question for you guys, can, can the turf develop a resistance against it? If, if Mr. Ferguson's constantly throwing propiconazole, is it eventually going to say, hey, bro, that don't work anymore? Like taking too many, you know, Tylenols all the time for a headache. So all, all the answer is yes. And all of yes. the very effective or highly effective uh, classes of fungicides for gray leaf spot are, uh, have a very high risk of developing resistance, right? So, that's one where, like, I think I saw in one of your videos, you were using uh, Cleary's triple three six, right? So the active ingredient there is thiophenate methyl. You can absolutely once. very, very yeah. quickly. Okay, once. Okay, good. You know, yeah, I would I've, only, I've used, yeah, I, I used one treatment of that, and that's it. Okay. And that's because, again, Pete said, hey, I'm dabbling and trying this. I said, you know what? Let me try that. So I put down sure. one application. To be honest, I couldn't, I, I didn't really notice a difference using it. And... I still have half the bottle left and, and you know, obviously we'll use it again, but didn't see, yep. didn't see a, a big change. So let, let me a, tell uh, you, go ahead. Let me, let me tell you what Cleary 3036 is normally used for when I apply it. Mm -hmm. I normally use Cleary 3336 for a disease called either take all patch or for dollar spot. I do not ever run 3336 on gray leaf spot, and I avoid using it on brown patch or for brown patch. Uh, my foundational 
treatments for brown patch is actually yet another class of fungicide that may initially give you a little bit of sticker shock, but when you divide it out in terms of how many applications per acre you get out of the bottle, then it becomes worthy. And if you have large patch or brown patch, foundational fungicide for that is something known as ProStar. And so well, I was going to say, and to, to, to kick off your season, I'll, I'll tell you that the overwhelm in most seasons that are relatively normal, you're not, you'll see um, what we call a leaf spot or melting out helminthosporium in the spring. When you have, when you have those gray days where it rains for three days, it just drizzles for three days and you have cloud cover mm-hmm. and, You've got temperatures for it to grow, but you've got reduced light. Um, you'll see helminthosporium, and that's where the grass just kind of turns yellow and has like uh, some, some real light brown kind of spots on it, right? Yeah. And typically my remediation for that is is to just be patient. Let, let the sun come back out, dry it out, and it's going to recover. Usually sometime around May 15th is when you start to need to be cognizant of, of brown patch season, right? And, and what, what is the old adage? You know, you need uh, uh, five days in a row over 85 and five nights in a row over 65 and a 60% relative humidity, something like that, I think is, is what it is. You look at your extended forecast and you see that, which would be you know, sometime around May for us. Um, that's when it's time to, to be armed. Now, from my perspective, why I would never run a propiconazole-type program is a a propiconazole-alone-type program isn't even necessarily from the standpoint of of resistance development. It would be more so because of the um, the repeated applications of propiconazole in high periods of stress and tall fescue in my experience, leads to turf decline. And now, why? Explain why. Because of the growth regulatory effects of the DMI. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying is there, like, so originally, propiconazole was being looked at as a growth regulator when it was developed originally. It was only through the testing that they figured out, hey, this actually has some really good fungistat and fungicidal properties. Let's go ahead and put it as a fungicide, right? So you do get that effect. And you know, to Matt's point, you already have a stressed plant and now you're applying that. And so are you doing more harm than good for sure? And you know, a lot of times people will look at those rates of, you know, one to two fluid ounces, sometimes higher. And mm-hmm. God forbid if you do above two in the summertime on tall fescue in the south, my goodness. Uh, but you know, looking at rates, you know, one point five to two, and that's that's a lot. That's a lot to handle. So I think that's an important piece is the propiconazole, you know, resistance aside can lead to some issues, right? It's a good tool to have in the toolbox. The The thing with the thiophenate methyl, uh, Ray alluded to a little bit, is that it's it's another great tool and it's like one of the best knockdown tools that we have for that. So like that is sort of the oh crap uh, fungicide to have in there. Like you can mix it in for other things and don't feel like, you know, one time you spray it and you're going to have resistance and things like that. but you know, don't right. go to the well too often. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to be there when you need it. And 
that's definitely one that you want to have on tall fescue in an area that is very prone to, to gray leaf spot. So, you know, the other piece with, uh, with respect to disease management and just overall, you know, summer stress, you know, getting back to the nitrogen piece a little bit that sort of leads into this whole disease talk is, uh, I think that, you know, loading up on the fall end is important. I think one thing, you know, as you alluded to just a bit ago about, you know, sometimes you don't go dormant, you know, there is a tipping point mm-hmm. there, you know, where what Ray said, you're building those roots up and you can get to a point where there's just not enough energy from the sun, right. To make enough food right through photosynthesis. And you're actually consuming those carbs now, right. It happens in Bermuda grass a lot where people push in too late and all the carbohydrate reserves that were built up over the summer during a period of peak root development, which is summer for Bermuda and it's fall for cool season, get expended mm-hmm. too early. And then you get through a stress period, like in wintertime and get a cold snap, something like that. The plant's not going to crash. It's not going to die. This isn't Bermuda, but you can set yourself up for a tough spring and an even tougher summer. So that's a, that's a really uh, unique piece right here that people that are listening to this and, and think, oh, man, I've got tall fescue in you know Columbus, Ohio, or Chicago, Illinois, or Madison, Wisconsin, or you know somewhere in Connecticut. Like It's different. It's not the same. You're in a very unique situation there. So that's one thing to think about. And this all leads back into, you know, overall plant health going into the summer. You want to have the healthiest plants that you possibly can, you know, going into summertime. The other piece, and I think we talked about this on the show with Paul Outlaw. I'd encourage you to watch that one. We'll send you a link. It's a good one because he's in North Carolina and he's, he deals with a lot of tall fescue lawns. You know, he's a pro, but I think there's some, maybe some useful stuff you can take away from it. The one thing we talked about there was, you know, he uses growth regulators a lot. And he and I had a discussion on that show just about how important that is as an overall tool in the management, right? Because uh, growth regulators allow us to do something that's called pre-stress conditioning. And what that means is, is that, you know, where the plant wants to expend a ton of energy to, you know, to fuel top growth in the spring, like when we're going through a flush spring growth, we're Mm kind of holding that back and not allowing it to do that. And what it will do to a certain extent in the springtime is, you know, either allow roots to not uh, dissipate those carbohydrate reserves as quickly or as much and possibly even push some of that energy down for more root growth. Okay. Um, And this is all work that was done a long time ago, 20 years ago when these really became in vogue um, in the golf course industry. So we know that, that these are, you know, this is scientifically backed that this is a process that takes place with, uh, with these products. So that being said, it might be something to look into, you know, as you get into late March, and going through May. And then when it starts to heat up, like you got to back off. I think Paul said, Matt Ray helped me out here, but I want to say he was about mid May and that was it. Like he was cutting it off and just letting the grass do its normal thing through summertime uh, at that point. So yes, yes. All that being mm-hmm. said, again, you think, well, growth regulator, what the heck does that have to do with nitrogen? And what the hell does that have to do with brown patch? Again, you start to see all these interconnections here of how, mm-hmm. how you can kind of manipulate um nature in, in such a way that you can do that okay so we talked a little bit about fungicides i think you know uh ray you mentioned ProStar. um you know there's a couple other ones i think you know having the the triple three six in there is a good thing to have um mm-hmm. i also i also would look at uh how big is your lawn steve nine thousand how big is it Nine thousand. Okay. You know what? Then you literally are the kind of guy where 
a one-acre package or bottle of fungicide is worth it for you. Do you know why? You have four applications out of a one-acre bottle. And so, for example, I'm, I'm even going to drop a bomb on poor Steve here in that. Oh, boy. Given no, given his gray leaf spot and brown, <laughs> no, and brown patch pressure. Hold your propeller. Steve here, no, Steve here is literally a lexicon candidate. Oh yeah, I mean lexicon would be a great choice. It's it's highly expensive. Here's here's one way to think about your acquisition strategy. Okay, is you know I think we I can't remember who we talked about this before. You know you really have like three choices i would say in terms of like your budget planning number one mm-hmm. is you just take the baddest person or not person but disease that you're going to deal with here and you only focus on that so if that's brown patch hey i'll i'll do what i need to do to deal with brown patch but if gray leaf spot gets me if helminthosporium mm-hmm. gets me leaf spot whatever like hey you got the best of me you won say love you we got Right, that's the old adage in sports. Right, we didn't lose; we got beat. So, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> take that and you deal with that. Your second one is maybe add a couple more of those. You know what I call post patent products. Propaganazole is not under patent. Triple three six not under patent. You try to build that out and maybe deal with one or two or three of those diseases as best you can. You're not going to have like all the tools in the arsenal, but you got mm-hmm. some more. You know that you're trying to deal with, and also in the background you're dealing as best you can culturally with all these things too. Like we were talking about with, um, you know, like the growth regulator stuff. And we haven't talked about the most important part, which is watering. We'll get to that here in just mm-hmm. a minute. Your, your wife has some advice for you that she gave to us to give to you about the watering and the fungicide. So, uh, <laughs> oh, she's feeding us notes. She's feeding us notes. She didn't even have to super chat. <laughs> to get us to us too. She's, she's on the back channel. Right to hear. It's gotta be something about uh, saving money or the, don't the, recommend. The swimming. question is, is, we have a running debate about the timing of watering and fungus. So What's I guess the, the question is, there is when is the appropriate time to water the lawn that is not going to contribute to the greatest disease pressure? Okay. Okay. You know what? Let me, you know, get into that because my father with his can of Bud Light and the water hose. Yeah. That basically is the reason why I'm so familiar with disease management. <laughs> your, okay. your, your, your lawn growing up was the Petri dish, right? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My, mine was the, the Petri dish. So very quickly now, Deme, I got familiar with Benley, Aleton, yeah. Daconil, and... Uh, All good stuff that you can't I use t- anymore on home lawns, by the way. <laughs> No, Dicene M45. Oh, gosh. And Dicene M45 as well. So, but then to circle back to you, mm-hmm. here's what I normally say about watering and lawns. I don't care when somebody waters, provided there's no more water going on the grass after two or three in the afternoon. I also don't want to see water going on the grass before 
3 a.m. And the reason why is because between that 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. window is when if the grass needs to dry out, it will normally do so. And you're not going to be sitting with wet feet overnight. So tell so us about that, what you're. Yeah, yeah, that's and that <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree with the timings on that, especially in your locale. Like it's you know that that especially. Okay, so before we talk about the top of the heap with fungicides, let's think about all the cultural things. And watering is a huge component of this, right? Proper watering practices. Oh, Just take yeah. us through. We're not gonna. Hey, no judgment. You're in the tree of trust. It's okay. You know, <laughs> tell us what you do right now. Like what triggers a watering decision of okay, now it's time to water. Are you like, are you watching the weather forecast and just going off of that? Are you looking for w active wilt in the lawn and saying, oh, okay, that's my trigger. What is it? What are the, what is it for you that triggers that? Yeah, definitely not having a well is a huge factor. And I, I hear, hearing rumors now that my wife is in the chat, uh, putting <laughs> that idea out there. So she is, she is one factor. So, uh, uh, you know, because water is stupid expensive and I'm sure, you know, um, <laughs> yes. so we've had to have, we, this was a video of how we had a conversation of honey, we're planning it's September. I'm going to have to water for, you know, a solid couple of days. So as far as a plan, it, it's basically like what you said, Hey, we're going to get some rain. I'm not going to water. And it, it, it's going off. I'm very, we're very lax in watering. It's, it's definitely not enough water going on the lawn for sure. Um, because of high cost and because of, you know, what's required there. I have no problem going out and doing the actual work, but it's running up the water bill, having two kids. And, uh, had I, you know, being on a well, you know, which is, you know, right down the road, there's some neighborhoods with wells. It would be awesome. Um, I envy that, yeah. but we, yeah, we have no sprinkler heads. I'm dragging sprinklers around. And uh, when it's definitely getting, you know, obviously when it's warm out here in North Carolina and I'm seeing crispiness in the grass, clearly it's like, OK, I've, I've, I've stressed it out so much. It's time to get it, get it moist. And really, it's only it feels like um, putting a Band-Aid on it until we get a good what I call Jesus rain to come down and really soak it up and <laughs> really moisten the ground up. So that that's I mean, I, I'm sure that's probably um the, the DIYers guide right there to lack of water because yeah because uh, uh you know the city don't pay that much so well that's the that's the good news is that it, it you know it uh it really is like the great equalizer in this whole thing right because people with poor watering practices are probably the people that are putting down the most fungicide or wishing they could and it's <laughs> it's it's good to hear that you're on the drier side ray ray will agree yeah. with you a thousand percent that ray it's it's way easier right to manage dry turf than it is turf that is just you know on the whole monday wednesday friday set it and forget it schedule no, right no i i i got a i got a horror story call while i was enjoying my gravy and biscuits this morning <laughs> sprinkler system's been on for nine it's hours right, right is that a right? problem <laughs> no so right. that should, not should we let it go your gravy and biscuit time yeah, you got to be on. You no, got to be on silent during that time, okay? No, be off the grid. No, some That's guy called me. Some guy called me this morning, telling me about dead spots in his Zeon Zoisha sod that he laid six Surprise! months ago. Surprise! Wait, Matt. Wait, Matt. 
he is his own best friend in in this case because he told me something about having his irrigation system come on twice a day. Oh boy, ah, man! And and I literally sure. dropped I, I, my I have a feeling. I don't know the whole dynamic here, but I got to think, and I know my wife would be the same way. Like uh, I think Mrs. Ferguson and Mrs. Demay would have our stuff out in the driveway in about five <laughs> minutes if, if we were running twice a day. Uh, that, yeah. But oh, yeah. we wouldn't have to pack. But we wouldn't have. To, it would be nice. We wouldn't have to pack. I got in trouble so it, for turning the water on to put out my shed that was on fire. So, yeah. What did I say about total loss, Matt? You just, you know, you let yeah. the insurance adjuster figure that out. But okay, but, I get but, text messages if I've been in the shower for four and a half minutes. So. <laughs> but everything's but then, low flow. Kidding, baby. But then I'm gonna, I'm gonna I love you. But I'm, but I'm gonna tell you that my my final words to this guy were, you know what. You just rotted and killed your grass. Because. Yeah, especially this stage, this this time of year for you guys, right? Like, that's no bueno for a lot of reasons. No, actually, I think the guy was pouring the water on it back in April. And you don't do that here because April is normally when we get a lot of rain, too. Hmm. Man. March and April is when it when it's raining a lot, and so in any case, I told him, "Sorry, man, you killed your grass." And then, but yeah, then you about it, your biscuit, right? Yeah, <laughs> no. and I had some coffee. <laughs> no zero empathy. It was right back into biscuits and gravy time. Well, yep, exactly. Yep, picky out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're two minutes yeah, of yeah. phone time are now up. I've got to go. Bye. Yeah. But and I literally told him that it's like, it's like you know what? Text me your address. I'll I'll take a look at it when I get around to it. But otherwise, you killed your lawn. You killed hey, your lawn. Even, I mean, it's, even uh, even the grass <laughs> corner is a green dock, right? So you got to go pronounce it dead. You got to you got to you got to put a toe tag <laughs> on that lawn, Ray, and come back yeah, to it yeah. next year. So yeah. So then you know, talk to me about. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, um, wedding agents. Have you tried any wedding agents to like? help balance out some of this like period between wet and dry and what has been your if you have success or what 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 are your thoughts on those the so only far? thing i've tried was this past uh summer tried hydrotain for the first time uh through oh, the ortho hose and sprayed it it definitely seemed to add more fungus i, I feel like I, really? I forgot, but i'm not certain yeah 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 which i heard that might happen but i felt like um Never i that. felt like is that sarcasm i hear or not? I don't, I don't no no seriously i've never i've no i've never i've never really i've never ever heard well it could well it could just be me and, and it may just be my mind because i heard that ahead of time i heard hey i've heard uh, i've seen comments and read things because clearly i tell you i go to the school with youtube university and so when i saw that i, I was like okay so i really boys. need to man don't be look at that hair man oh my goodness yeah like, that's it? some serious you got the you got the flow out like you know how jealous oh, I am? Look at this damn what? lack of hair I got on my head. Killing it. That was the old military cut. That's that's what got the wife, you know, the, the military cut. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say that you, you need that whole gallon jug of hydrotane to beat the ladies off from looking at this video. <laughs> like, dude, come on. Dude. I'm a mar- he's a married man, ladies. Lay off. Lay off. Right? <laughs> I had to get away so, from the military cut. So but but anyways, no, I I put down yeah. hydrotane that yeah, when was this May? 
to test it out. And I think it maybe it was a mind game um, that, it, you know, it felt like it attracted more. Uh, uh, Man, look at that. Pause like, real quick. Pause. Look at what that. What is going look at your on neighbor. in your what, neighbor's yard right is there? Your neighbor, does your neighbor hate grass or are you just that good at your job? I'm I'm just trying to figure they this made, out. They made, like... they made me look better, but they actually moved <laughs> this past year, and we've got some people from Pennsylvania that moved in, and uh, uh, he's he's you know he's he, he, he when they moved in, I think they moved in. I want to say June. They're like, dude, your lawn looks pretty good. I said, oh, this is the worst it's looked all year because it's when it started. I know fading away, and I said, this is the worst it's looked all year, and he's like, oh, okay. And so now, yeah, I, it's the truth. Like I ain't gonna lie, but that's but, pretty no, funny. It's okay. I mean, were, you know, it's it's average. No big it's deal. Average. But the previous owners were it's, lawn it's pretty people, good. and yeah, they 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 would get out there, and they didn't even have a uh, um, they didn't even have an actual self propelled mower. It was a push mower, like the thirty five dollar oh, Sam's Club. The old Murray. And she would Murray twenty. She would drop that sucker down to half an inch, and just and it would cut oh. off every five minutes. And Ray, so, <laughs> those Lord. Stuff. Ray the old it's like it's the thing your dream your your nightmares are made of, not your dreams, I was gonna say, but it's got the old side discharge that you know it's at like a 10 degree angle and it shoots 30 <laughs> feet out and away, blast all your bushes mm-hmm. with with clipping. Man, listen, Matt Martin, I've been on the business end of a Murray Walmart $90 special more than you can yeah. even fathom. And it's a damn good mower if you know how to use it, right? Like you know those guys on YouTube that can like fillet a salmon with like a Swiss Army knife? Like that's how good I got with the Murray twenty inch ninety dollars mm. special. I could make it look nice. good, but I'm still those times have come and gone. He's got neighbors from Pennsylvania next door. I don't know if I can Yankee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I knew. I was knew. I knew there was going to be some Yankee comment of they were going to come. Now that is like I'd a very northern thing to do. And they'd come was, outside, and I'd have to yell at them and be like, "Sir, you talk funny. Why are you here?" <laughs> so many so <laughs> many northerners have moved down here since you know covid and all that and and everything really? we've oh my gosh we got so many people in the neighborhood from new york and they're from um they're from pennsylvania and then we add another half a lot of a lot of the homes went for sale because in our area it was time you know it's a it was a seller's market the question sure. is where do you go after that so uh, yeah. but a lot of northerners have moved down and uh Probably we had yeah. one couple that came from florida but uh but yeah a lot of northerners but they seem to be more yard people, younger couple, more yard people. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if he catches the the lawn care bug as well. Oh, I'm sure you're going to plant that seed if you haven't already. Is there any yeah. warm season nearby? Yeah, I know. Look at that. Look at that. Oh my gosh. Is, yes. Yeah. That's okay, exactly so like, why, why I picked fescue. Why is, is going to say why is your whole neighborhood fescue? Like, cause it, you said it was a new build. So like 13 years ago, that was probably in vogue and like the hot thing to do down there. Has it flipped? Have you seen like newer subdivisions that have gone Bermuda or where? What's that look like down there in, in your area? It's it's a it's a total mix uh, in, in my area. It's a mix of both. But here in the okay. subdivision, we were the second to last house at the end of a road. Well, in mm-hmm. the past four years, five years or so, they've extended the subdivision uh-huh. and they come in. And I actually talked to one of the builders not too long ago. I said, because the, here comes the sod truck and it's all Bermuda and they're just laying Bermuda in front of all these homes that are building. But what they're doing, and I don't know if you guys noticed and if it's this way across the nation, but I asked the guy, I said, so y'all are laying Bermuda today. I was like, so what's your plan for the rest of the yard? Oh, we just throw out a commercial, you know, I was like, so you're putting the warm season Bermuda in the ditch and in the front yard. 
but in the back you're just you're just throwing a, a fescue mix it's like yeah that's what we yep. do and i'm like they started Why? doing that like, here too it, it's it's all they, about they, money they lay clearly, out the seed but, mats yeah and it's just yep. it just trash comes up but absolute it, but garbage. to me it was an opportunity i said so ching ching popped up in my mind well what if i'm a homeowner that don't want you know, Bermuda, but I, I would like to have a cool season lawn because every house down these areas up on the hill behind me are all Bermuda lawns besides maybe one or two. And then, you know, after, after, you know, six months, it's just weedville because none of them maintain it. It's, it's pretty, it's green. They move in, honey, look at our new starter home. And then it's <laughs> weedville. And it's like, to me, I was like, what an opportunity to approach these homes and say, Hey, Instead of having weed bill in your front and backyard, let's 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 uh, let's talk about how you can make this better with the little bit of knowledge that I know. You know how we can change it up, but but yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. They're putting they're rolling out the side in the front yards, and I don't know how we got on this, but, but then they're just throwing cheese. No, no, no. You know, it's fifty cent I, I, mix I in the back. Yeah. Very conversational. We all, we told you that in the beginning. It's this is how we, it's a flow. But yeah, you know what? There there needs to be either a, a part of your channel going forward or you need to make a new channel called mason dixon turf and you get to ride both sides like you go front right and you're on one side and you go in the back and the other side and it's just showing how to take care of both i think that'd be a really cool thing because i bet you there's probably people that are like watching these and they're like oh this guy's all warm season now i gotta go over and watch this guy's channel he's all cool season i gotta figure out right you could be you could be the first guy in that niche of oh my god you know what did i get myself into with I wanted the you know the front sodded, and now I got a backyard that's just nothing but rocks, <laughs> rocks, and you know some some button weed or something. Hey, having a split yard isn't all that bad. My front yard's fescue, my back is Bermuda. I you know I enjoy okay. it. If I it's it's I got a lot I got, of hey, don't, you I, know I just I don't enjoy it because I have to cut it, and I hate Yankee grass and and so Yankee I grass just, yeah. in the most southern gentleman I know. That's that's so sad, so sad. You know, I never well, had to deal with fescue really to any extent until I moved to this damn town. And I, it's the one thing <laughs> I hold against Knoxville's fescue. You don't even know about the the secret GoFundMe I've got to change your front lawn out to centipede. That's almost at our goal. So we'll get that taken care of next <laughs> year. Don't worry. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll do, I, I would do one worse. I would do one worse uh, to me. Centipede is easy grass. Not from Matt Martin. Not not mentally from Matt Martin. He he has a block. There's a block there. I think okay, because I, probably yeah. need to go to couples therapy and work out their issues, talk it out. Okay, because you know, uh be, be open with each yeah. other. No, actually the the nightmare grass would be Zoisha. Well, aren't is there <laughs> now tell me this, Steve. I would there, take Zoisha any day of the week. It's yeah. all Bermuda in the warm season that you're seeing. Nobody's doing Zoisha down there because it's starting to blow up you see that grass yeah yeah those, that is that is become Bermuda. yeah because that has become okay. actually ryan the the trendy thing is that somehow some way the architects got sold a pile of manure about how hardy and <laughs> easy to maintain zoisha is yeah, they got I don't, I don't. they got they got fed the manure, and hey, I I often the manure. Give me all the zoysia. Ooh. I wish, I wish, 
when I managed turf in Knoxville, the only grass I had to come across day in and day out was Georgia grass. I would have been a happy man. I, you know what, I would love to see, and maybe this is the, don't don't tell Mrs. Ferguson this, but the, I would love to see a YouTuber in your area, like in that, yes, closure, yeah, earmuffs, to have because the, you know, here here's the 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 running joke about the transition zone is this is that you can grow all the grasses, just none of them well, right? I would love to see somebody that has like a little plot of Bermuda, a little plot of zoysia, a little plot of centipede, a little plot of tall fescue, Kentucky bluegrass. Not huge, just, you know, 10 by 10s, 5 by 10s, something like that. And just, yeah, mm-hmm. just see, you know, just mess around and find out what, you know, what are the, the, the pros, the cons, all that kind of stuff. I think it'd be awesome content. So now you need, you need a hundred yeah, acres to get a feel of it. You, you got it. You, you get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling no. you. You get to 100 Listen, acres of each of those grass types, you see some weird stuff that you wake up in the morning and you you really questioning why you do this for a living. I'm telling you, this is see, I watched, this is just the I watched 60, 70 acres of centipede evaporate, evaporate over a two week period one time. And you want to know uh, hey. what's dumb is that my first year. This is a true story. My first year managing centipede when we had the ice storm in in Augusta, Georgia. I didn't oh, yeah. know all this centipede was dead, right? And uh, and you know we're I'm after selling lawn care, right? Because we just opened this branch in Augusta. I'm selling lawn. I'm selling my soul. I'm oh, yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna fix this up. It's gonna be tough because I know we had an ice storm. I knew it was gonna be hard because we had an ice storm. I'm like, but I'm telling you, you get you give me a little bit of time. We're gonna make good progress this this year. Next year, it's gonna be the one to shine. We're not gonna have to side all this. Everything's gonna be all right. Right. That's how how just novice and, and excited and of an idiot I was, to be honest. And man, you feel so stupid when you go out there in May <laughs> and all the other grass types are green and you pull up to your yard and there's like one clump of Dallas grass in the center of the yard that's green. <laughs> the rest of it is just bare dirt. Like even even the yeah. dead grass is gone at this point. You're looking at dirt. <laughs> and you're like, well, I I guess I'll put my spreader up. I'm not going to fertilize this. Like <laughs> this isn't going to work. No, you're going to leave a note on the door, and it's like, "Hey, I appreciate you signing up for service this year, but there's nothing else I can do for you because literally all the grass is evaporated from your lawn." Sorry. At least you. Hey, at least you weren't like some of your cohorts that probably still put the fur down and build them and said, "Well, I hey, came here to do a, a job." Yeah. When, when all I was right, a so, guy. Never mind. Go ahead. No, no, all right. That's an after show story. You can share that in the after show and, and tell them. All right. Um, I'm just curious before you move on. Yeah. When was when was you managing in Augusta? Because that's where I went to AIT. Fort Gordon, baby. Woo-hoo. Yeah, that's right. Fort Fort Gordon down in the southern end of Augusta. Mm-hmm. I guess that was 2011, 2000, uh, okay. 2011, 2012. Yeah, in that okay. in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I, th- I think I was there for five months and lived down there for my AIT training for the computer training. I was telling you, that's where they do all the all the computer technical technical IT type signal training is done at Fort Gordon. There, so I was there five months, but that had to be like two thousand three or four. So yeah, I missed you by yeah about six seven years. So it's, it's all good. Did you? No, live I love that area dude. near Fort Gordon, or did you? Did you? Live I was outside on base. in the. Oh, you were on base. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, as soon as you get done with basic training, they ship you right over to, you get on a bus, you go to AIT, and it's basically, you know, a boot camp light. Uh, you have a, a little more freedom and privilege. And I would, you know, I secretly got my, you know, when we had a, um, 
every weekend I secretly went rode home with the parents, drove my car down, parked it somewhere on base, and they never knew the whole five months I was there. So every time we got a pass, I would get in the car and run back to North Carolina and come up here and, and hang out. And they never <laughs> caught, like, they never knew. And so uh, that's the one thing I always got away from. But, yeah, I love Augusta. Man. I went back there for some more training uh, later on in my career military but i love that area especially the masters too and of course i didn't get into oh, yeah. golf till after ait so i was like the masters oh. is right there and, and tiger was playing when i was there and i didn't know who he was and so it was like yeah that's oh. a, that's such a wonderful area i love that area really nice i lived in uh in in martinez and uh on the 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 other side you know closer to evans area and i i i, I like that that area i lived in right there it mm-hmm. uh kind of it was like a very small Memphis. I grew up in Memphis and it just reminded me of like, uh, like if you, if you took where I was born in North Mississippi and fused it with, with Memphis, like, so when you took Memphis and scaled it down to a real small town, that's how Augusta felt to me. You know, the cops yeah. had cowboy hats and, uh, I got pulled over for having <laughs> out of state tags one time. So nice. I don't like your kind around here. All right. Uh, you know, <laughs> We're we're coming up on uh, close to the end. We don't, you know, don't feel like you're, you know, we're rushing you. But what other questions you have? I know we covered a lot, and certainly, you know, you're you're definitely the kind of guest that I know we'll have back, you know, maybe next uh, spring, early summer when things are heating up and kind of refresh and touch base and make sure you're locked in, ready to go because you've been uh, super engaging and super fun. And like I said, we, you know, we came upon your content. We wanted to learn more about you, and, and, and everything we've learned has been really cool as far as I'm concerned. So. Uh, what other questions do you have? What are thoughts, you know, kind of coming off of this season, I guess, looking ahead to next, you know, what, what else is there in your mind that you want to ask us? Well, I know, well, going back to what Ray was saying earlier, talking about, you know, be careful with the nitrogen in the summer. I was, <laughs> I was yeah. going to, I like to be lighthearted. I was jokingly going to tell Ray, well, that's easy when you don't have much grass. You don't really have to worry <laughs> about putting down nitrogen because that's been my experience. Like, what am I doing wrong? So to hear Ray's, you know, advice on that is is great that like, hey, it's just so friggin' hot, like you're gonna have yeah. loss. That's that makes me feel a little better that it's not gonna bug me as much, at least in my mind. That uh, you know, I, I think getting because here's the thing, looking at that soil test and the way y'all broke it down, the previous soil test going through a a different company, um, it always, always had my potassium levels low below optimum and had me in this mindset of why can't I get it in the optimum range? And so that's why I was going so crazy, you know, with it. And then when I went up to the extension center, I don't know if it's the scale, you know, of obviously how they're reading it with this, you know, the soil savvy, the yard mastery test, the different ones that are out there at Amazon, the way they're looking at it versus an extension. um, I, I know I'm one that clearly don't, don't do a lot, but I guess getting to my question is, How often, you know, so the first thing I was going to say is when I was just thinking that potassium was the answer before Ray kindly corrected me that I had nothing to do with it. Um, You know, that being the case, I couldn't get the potassium where I wanted it to. And I was hearing comments, you know, like, well, hey, man, it takes a while. Um, You can throw down heavy, but it could take, you know, years to get your potassium even raised slightly. And I'm thinking, okay, and, and I'm not the type to go right on the internet and deep dive. Is that true or not? Is this person lying to me? Um, but when I got it back from the extension, I'm like, okay, that seems high, but is it how they're reading it or whatnot? So what's your thoughts on that as far as different soil tests? Because here's, and I'll, and I'll throw this out there. One of my content thoughts was to buy 
you know, use the extension here at my local area, get a yard master, get a soil savvy, get a whatever, take the same amount of dirt, do a soil test with all of them and get the results and do a video on that. Now that I've told it to the public, somebody else can do it. You're welcome. But whatever, like seriously, what does it come back and look like? Is there different readings for, you know, is it software based? Is it, you know, instrument based and see, okay, here's four different soil tests with the same dirt and examine, you know, and that would be something I'd be interested in seeing somebody smarter than me do. But I thought that would be something to, you know, that would be interesting. And so what are your thoughts on that? Is that silly? So it was, no, it, it was, was already silly. done. We, I don't know. Yeah, it was had, already we done. Yeah, we had a guest we already on, did it. Uh, the lawn stripes. Uh, we'll see if we can dig up that video and, and send you a link to it. But he was a guest cool. on here a while back. He's from uh, Cincinnati area. And mm-hmm. I think he did um, the uh, my soil test and I think Spectrum or, or Waypoint. One of the two. I think it was Waypoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, uh, the bigger labs out there. Yeah, I think he did so, a Waypoint test. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we'll send you the link. And, and you know, okay. here here's what I would say, big picture. I think that would be interesting content, right? It would at least give, because yeah. I'm sure that question comes up a lot, whether people ask it. Uh, directly or whether they're just asking it in their own mind of huh i wonder which one's the right one and uh, here's what i would say is like you know there's no wrong one first off i think there are some that are better than others though right so uh i'll i'll let these guys talk a little bit too but in my mind like the my soil and the uh soil savvy right Mm -hmm. i think they have a place in terms of like if you're just super easy going and you're just looking for like that directional analysis that they call it um and trying to move right, up or down right. i think it's okay i think it's okay mm-hmm. but the other thing is like the the benchmarks right are not very transparent and they're like we don't know what the data is backing those up to be able to say that hey this is the critical level for potassium or phosphorus or whatever right. relative to those tests right and then there's some other variances that can occur in that testing method, at least as, as it's been explained, that might mm-hmm. influence those analyses, right, that you get back. So that's number one. Number two, you know, uh, regardless of what lab you use, I think your sampling method is maybe the most critical thing, right? Because we can influence a sample um, to, to give us false or skewed readings just simply by the way that we take that sample. Meaning, like, if we take it too close uh, in, t- in time, you know, between uh, our last application and, um, mm-hmm. you know, our soil sample date that can influence it incorrectly. You know, uh, time mm-hmm. of the year is not so important just as long as you're doing it at the same time of the year. So it's soil depth though is important. So we really, really need to hit that four inch mark and be right on it. Right. So taking off, um, you know, the plant material that's there and whatever thatch organic layer is up on top, moving that and having mm-hmm. a four inch core of soil. And that's going to give us the most accurate results that we can possibly get. You know, one thing um, like phosphorus in particular is really, really stratified in the soil, meaning like we have a lot in the very first inch and then it goes down significantly as you go lower and lower. Um, The other thing, the other reason that that four inch depth is critical is that when the lab calculates those results, they're thinking that you're using a four inch depth. I'll let Ray and Matt explain that a little bit more here in a second. The last thing I'll say is, you know, the, the big labs that we talk about here often, you know, so your spectrums, your waypoints, uh, a um, Brookside, any of those, uh, 
the results there that you're getting is a standardized and widely accepted, scientifically accepted method for sampling. And so the results are then, you know, scientifically calibrated, right? That all of our calibration data and turf is based on that particular method of soil testing. In your area, there's also other methods that may need to be used. In your case, I don't think you would need to use those, but in certain areas of the country, you might need to. And that lab is more equipped, you know, uh, a lab like that is more equipped to make those judgments accurately and say, hey, actually, we need to use this other kind of test uh, to give them the best result. So long story short, I think using a big lab um, that's giving you um, easily identifiable information that science back is the way to go. Uh, there's lots of different ways to get there, but the most important thing is just being consistent at the time of year that you sample and uh, the depth mm-hmm. and the total you know, overall sampling methods that you use. So I've talked enough. Matt and Ray, what do you think? Well, I was just going to say that um, as far as the, the, the research that exists right now uh, in terms of, of you know, quantifying things like, for instance, critical levels of, of nutrients that you know, if you dip below this, your plant will fail. All of that is established on, under under a, the test method called, called Malik three, really, and mm-hmm. and so it's it's easiest to uh, pr- predict the response you're going to get from making a nutrient application if you are looking at what you have in the soil that's derived from a Malik three because that's what how all the research was conducted, right? So, you know, when you when you go to something that is not a Malik 3, the numbers you're getting back are not correlating with what the research says. So you have to rely on that point to what their recommendation is. And even with the the amount of research that exists, a lot of times what you get back from labs in terms of recommendations is a wild ass guess. Mm-hmm. Eh, maybe not a wild ass guess, but it's there's there's not a lot of consistency. I'll put it that way. It's not a wild sure. guess. There's not a lot of consistency. So and not a lot of each, context either. Not a lot of context. The, so, like for instance, you know, some labs like if if Penn State is looking at you, they're going to recommend you have somewhere between 200 and 250 parts per million of potassium. You know, here you have a uh, hundred, and they're saying you are over. In, in potassium, right? Or you're you're above mm-hmm. optimum there. Um, right. So you 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 kind of get a wide range of of interpretations based on where you conduct this test, and that's why I think it's what's what's most important is what we have as an industry is an established set of critical minimums on what each plant nutrient needs to be at, and as long as you are in excess of that, then don't have to worry about a nutrient issue causing you any problems, right? You can shift your thinking into other things, right? Is it stress? Is it disease? Is it insects? You know, you, you can take nutrient management off your mind for the overwhelming majority. And all of those numbers are derived through the Malik 3. Um, and it's it's not to say that that those same types of tests can't be replicated with the ion exchange resin, which you would see in Soil Savvy or, or MySoil, right? That, mm-hmm. It could get there, um, and a, a lot of that could happen faster if there was trans- transparency around how uh, those figures are, are derived, but it's it's not. And I could get 
really technical into how they <laughs> mm -hmm. they even measure the nutrients because it, it has to adsorb a d s o r b into that, that ion exchange resin that resin that resin has to give up hydroxide ions it has to give up hydrogen ions in order for up to, to yeah yeah i'm going off deep. the balls deep in there but um <laughs> anyway case in point our our metrics that we have that are most researched that that are, are are strong enough data sets to allow us to make decisions are derived from aliquotry. So, in my opinion, it makes the most sense that if I'm from a diagnostic perspective, which is the most important tool that I have in my brain, is di diagnostics, is you know use what has already been established instead of trying to reinvent that wheel. Absolutely, and my question has always been about the other. Soil test is that you notice that when you send in your soil to your university extension service, you notice how they call for you to send that soil in relatively dry, no, de no debris, just put it in a bag, get it, get it to the university, and they'll take care of the rest. Now, that is important because you know what happens to soil when it is sitting in that sample cup full of water a lot of things happen to the various metals uh the soil ph and even the availability of simple things like say potassium and phosphorus because water is one of the most reactive substances we have on planet earth and therefore, you put soil in that cup with that water and you send it to my soil or soil savvy. How long does it take for that sample to get to the lab? And the reason why I ask is because this is some inside baseball in that as part of my curriculum, when I was a university student, uh, you know, studying agronomy and horticulture, I literally got to run a soil test and exposure to the extraction solution was always a timed thing. So in other words, if you're running a Malik 3 test, there's a time limit as to how long you let that soil sit with that extractant before you filter it off and then test for phosphorus and potassium. There's also a time limit as to how long you let that saturated piece, they call it, which is a one-to-one -one mix of soil to water, how long you let that sit before you take the pH reading on it. Uh, there, I, I don't see the time limit as to, you know, when you send one of these other tests in, how long is the time limit regarding when that soil is exposed to the water and when it actually gets tested? You know, how can you get a consistent result from a, you know, test procedure that is literally all over the place? You know, how, how do we do that? Whereas you send it into the extension service, uh, they're literally running the same tests that, uh, you know, 
I, I got to see firsthand and it's all done according to a stopwatch. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a big topic and uh, you know if if we need to dive deep di- deeper into that i think uh you know welcome to have an offline discussion and not because we're going to trash anybody but just more of like people are going to get right. bored here and and right. seriously like we want to make sure that you you feel comfortable and do it the right way and everything like that but uh mm-hmm. you know my biggest thing overall and especially looking at your soil tests um is just focus on nitrogen management. Like if you're going to focus on one nutrient, it's the one that's not on your soil test. Focus on nitrogen right. and trying to dial that in and figure that piece of mm-hmm. it out. And that will make right. a huge difference everywhere else, you know, as far as your nutrient management plan. And especially with, you know, what's to come in the fertilizer market, it's also going to be your least expensive um, choice of, of adding additional nutrients, macro and micro uh, here in 2022. Mm-hmm. So, what else you got? Oh, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. I I think uh, for for you, your your best bet is to follow the four R's of nitrogen management. <laughs> oh yeah, right, Ryan. Lay it out for him. Lay it out for him. <laughs> yeah. Again, we're gonna go back to you know, right rate, you know, right time right uh, source and right place and and in the right place you know you uh you know and it's going to become actually very economical and to me extremely simple you see mm-hmm. i will confess to being two things terminally lazy and cheap says the guy who carries an 80 pound backpack sprayer on his back every day terminally lazy uh i don't know about that yeah and and that's i guess that's the whole point right is like the whole manage what you or measure what you manage type thing you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's probably where you'll graduate to in this next you know six to 18 months of you know hey how can i okay i know what i'm doing i know what i'm seeing how do I quantify that and make a better judgment of what I'm doing and if it's working and all that kind of stuff. So I can, mm-hmm. I can see you heading down that path for sure. So yeah. all good stuff for sure. So what else you got for us? Well, I know y'all are, I know we're running late. No. Uh, the only, I'll, no, no, no. I'll ask one more. Good. I'll yeah, ask one yeah more. you're good. It's very important because I told my neighbor, Mr. Kevin, has any other guests, that's been with you guys ever thought that Ray plays the harmonica with that microphone. It's been said. I can't, it's, it's been said a lot. I've never had a guest come on and say it though. He's the no, man because it's... it just looks like he breaks it down with the, and I, and I was oh, yeah. like, Ray's the harmonica man. It is so cool, man. Ray don't ever change. He's the a, microphone, no matter what anybody he, he is a Hawaiian, he is a Hawaiian John Popper for sure. He's also a lot skinnier than John Popper too. So I was like, they got he's a like, he's John Popper so after, after the yeah after the the the, the, bari- the bariatric surgery. He's that you know he's because he's about 130 pounds soaking wet. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm about 130 sure. pounds, but I will I will wipe the floor with anybody. <laughs> what you what you don't 
What you don't know, and what we all don't know, is that Ray actually plays in a Prince cover band out there in Honolulu on a, week, on a weekly basis. So, yeah. yep, yep. Do some blues like covers here and there. It's the damnedest thing. Yeah, <laughs> that is some real inside baseball right there. Moonwalking, <laughs> moonwalking across some recently seeded fescue. <laughs> and J-, J Pink, J Pink has the has the footage. J Pink has the footage. Robert Palmer to get that posted. You're actually <laughs> you're actually. Ray, I gave the like, uh, I gave the footage to Matt. He has the footage. He uh, no, he, he's misplaced mm-hmm. yeah, He might probably be, right here on my desk somewhere. You're built more like Steven Tyler. I, I would say more like a Steven Tyler, maybe. <laughs> He's about the same height oh. and weight as you, Ray. Actually, no, Steve. No, Steven Tyler is taller. <laughs> Steven Tyler is way taller. Let's, I mean, he's right, like we got to Google this. Six Steven foot something. Tyler height. He's five six, ten, Ray. He's, five ten. And you five ten. Us, you were five seven. You're hey, listen. You're every bit of five nine, five ten. If you put your cowboy boots on, don't no, shoot yourself, I, sir. All right. <laughs> I'm just larger than the, life. <laughs> You're, yeah, you are. You're taller than Private Cowboy was in uh, in Full Metal Jacket. So just remember that. All right. <laughs> With that, we do have some mailbag questions here. So sure, uh, let's 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 hear the mailbag here. Do we have the You've Got Mail, or is that only for a burn return? I can't remember. You've got mail. you've got mail. Yeah, there, there we go. Uh, oh, I thought okay, uh, so Matt was going to read it. it, it yeah, that was my fault. I'm over here reading it to myself instead of reading it out loud. Uh, so Thomas, who was on Burn and Return earlier this week, he's having uh, oh, yeah. he has a weed. He's having difficulty nuking. He's tried Fusillade 2, Speed Zone Red, Certainty in Celsius. We left off wondering where he was located. <laughs> he lives in smokes. Panama. He lives in oh. Panama and has sent along a few more photos. He said he also has Doveweed that he has identified. Oh, that... Yeah. Almost looks like Asiatic dayflower. Mm-hmm. Is that doveweed? That that no, is it's like not dense enough to be doveweed. No, that looks something like Asiatic dayflower. And do you know what Asiatic dayflower hates? Uh, being Ray <laughs> No, it it hates me when I bring I around know. the the sulfentrazone and the mitsulfuron missile. And I may or may not, and I may or may not be throwing that into a tank mix containing speed zone. Ray, you <laughs> yeah. got all the PPOs there. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say yeah, sulfentrazone yeah, yeah. would be would be a good one here because um, we actually see that in Georgia a lot. You can get yeah, almost yeah, anything yeah. in pa- you can get almost uh, anything yeah. in Panama, <laughs> especially if you're at an all inclusive resort. I'm sure you can get just about anything. Yeah, yeah. but then. But then this looks to me like a sulfentrazone and MSM candidate because it's one of those soft, soft-leaved, broadleaf weeds. And I know that speed zone alone is probably not enough to wipe it out. It's one of those uh, zombie weeds. So it deserves full send. <laughs> It deserves awesome. full you know, send. You, you get off the plane there, and they're like, "Hey, man, you want some illicit drugs?" No, actually, I just like some dismiss. That's it. Just some dismiss herbicide. I'll be good. Thanks. And some metsulfuron methyl. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, 
Mike is our second one, and he says, would it be possible to produce a wonderful, healthy lawn without performing soil tests and following their recommendations? Could one just simply follow one-third rule, deep, once-weekly watering, actual uh, annual mechano- mechanical area- aeration, foliar nutrient food feedings, and trusting in root cycling and exudates for soil compaction and reduction? Um, like, the, right. Short answer to this is, is yes, you can produce a wonderfully healthy lawn without performing soil tests and follow their recommendations. You, you totally can. What you would run into is um, you increase your risk to the environment and to your wallet uh, by taking that <laughs> approach. That's the, the number one advantage, your, the two advantages you pick up there, right? You may run into a situation where you could save a lot of money because you don't need to apply a lot of things that you think you may need to apply with your foliar nutrient feedings. Uh, the other thing, too, is that if you're already you know, real high in phosphorus and continuing, continuing to pound phosphorus for no reason other than you don't want to test the soil, then, well, then you could run into a situation uh, that's not very kind to the environment. And in the face of everybody staring at our, at our industry and what we do as a hobby or a career or as a passion, um, and, and being under further scrutiny than we've ever been before, uh, with almost zero positive reports on what we do is, is we evolve. We're, we're all in this, in this evolutionary period of the, of the industry right now. And it's, and it's each and every one of our responsibilities to try and adopt these things. So that way, no matter who points at us, you know, we're, we're only as weak as our weakest link, right? If, if they're pointing at me or they're pointing at you and you, you have the data, you can kick their ass with the data and say, no, look, I chose to apply that because I need to, because I'm this low. And when I'm this low, it's not going to cause a problem. Or you say, no, I don't apply that because I've got this test right here that shows me the data that I don't need to apply it. So Yes, you can. Root exudates do nothing for uh, soil compaction, by the way. Root exudates only function yeah. with, uh, with nutrient availability. So um, uh, root cycling may be more of a, a, a compaction or organic matter buildup type of scenario there. I, I wouldn't even put it in the, in the compaction uh, realm of things. Um, so yes, for the most part, is it recommended? Not necessarily. Let, uh, let me ask this question to Mr. Ferguson. Do you feel like by soil testing, you feel like that's an investment whereby you will save money in the short or long run by doing that? I, personally, yes, because it gives you some type of guidance into what needs to happen there. When you like, this is just, again, common sense Ferguson DIYer guy. Like to me, yeah. it's, it's, it's like a map, like, this is what's yeah. literally out there on the back porch, bro. Like, okay, here's what you've got now. It's, you know, it's a snapshot of what's out there. So it guides you a little bit in where you need to go from there. And yeah, it's not going to be perfect, but at least it's, it's almost like, you know, remember the old, uh, the NESs, the game genie, it's like a little cheat code. Man. Yeah, like, why not take advantage of it? Oh, yeah. Just get a snapshot, you know? Yeah. Man, you got to get your Nintendo yeah. power magazine out and get those codes, dog. All right. I'm game Hear genie that? old. Yeah, I'm game genial too. I'm, I'm right there. <laughs> so I, I guess Ray, here's what I would say to this Boomer. question: is shut up, shut up. You were <laughs> you were playing Xbox Boomers. One. You probably still have your Xbox One somewhere. You um, think I've owned a, a gaming console? 
the guy who hasn't seen movies you think i've got a gaming console i think at one point in your life you were probably in that in that space i got a super nintendo for christmas one time and my brother pawned it two months later (laughs) i was gonna say that i had i had a customer give me an xbox one time and i've turned it on once i have no idea customer gave you an xbox as like yeah, payment, like was, they bartered and trade. I don't have a hundred dollars. No, no, he was Xbox like, I'm Matt. about to dump this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he knew well, I had so that kids. Like, control. Kids play. Here's my Xbox. <laughs> I was like, you think I'm gonna let my kids play video games? I'm like, video games kill people. My my children are not murderers. I'm, I'm just kidding. I did not <laughs> Ray, that. That's Hashtag that is Kyle bad. Ray. That was yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ray. If it were me, you tell me if, it, if this is the wrong thought process. I uh, process. I would save. The forty to sixty dollars that this person's going to spend in renting a mechanical aerator or paying somebody to come do it, and spend it on a soil test, right? And you're still going to have some money left over after you spend that forty to sixty bucks. And for me, I you know go down the uh, go down there to co-op. Uh, the know, co-op. The co-op. And, and... I don't even, don't even go to the co-op. I was going to say just you know go down and get yourself like a Subway sub or you know you know a six pack of your favorite beverage. You know, eat, drink, mm-hmm. enjoy that extra money that you got in your pocket and then still enjoy your lawn too. Absolutely. Because for me, soil testing is just fundamental. You got to get him a rib. Yeah. Yeah. Soil testing is just fundamental because when somebody talks to me about compaction <laughs> or, or, you know, I, I always want to know what, or why is this soil even excessively compacted? I want to know why. And sure. for example, silly for me, for example, is imagine me selling mechanical aerations now. And my actual issue is high pH, high magnesium, and high sodium. And I, and I sell annual aerations rather than addressing the actual problem. How much of a little oh, idiot man. would I look like? You know, how much of a fool would I look like? <laughs> Don't call yourself a little idiot, Ray. Come on. We talked about your height. You're fine. That's what got me. Normal average height. <laughs> yeah, come on. Normal average height. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta right, improve everyone. the self-talk here. Let's do it. Okay, we're going to head on over to the show after the show. Those who know, you know. If you don't know, well, you don't know. Uh, but if you'd like to learn more about it, you have to become a member. you got to hit the join button, and then over there you'll find instructions on how to link up to the Discord, and then you can head to the show after the show. I warn you, it is, it is, uh, it is adult talk. And uh, if you are not into that sort of thing, it makes you uncomfortable, no problem, no harm, no foul. You don't have to. If you want to, you earn, yearn for more content, then by all means, feel free to join us over there. Until Sunday, on Sunday will be our next recording of Burn and Return, and uh, we're going to get to another mailbag. So, uh, who was who was that? Uh, Jordan, we'll get to your mailbag on Sunday. Until then, everyone, have a fantastic evening. <laughs>